Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions, an opportunity for you to get a seat at the table. We have many champions in the room this morning with Dr. Rowe and guest speaker Gloria Mayfield-Banks, an international speaker, entrepreneur, and success strategist. We have Hannah Eve, the CEO of Current Agency, Riel, Bill Hauser, and many, many more. Glenn believes that if you can change the way people start their day, it'll make a massive impact in their life. So pull up a seat and let's join in on Breakfast with Champions. ...level who had not only beat the odds of other individuals as it relates to success, she came from a domestic violence situation, rose up from that, graduated from Harvard, went to also Howard University, started her own company as an entrepreneur, but most importantly, she is a wife, a mom, and she went from being a lowly secretary to a millionaire multiple times over. She is number one out of 3.5 million salespeople in Mary Kay. She also is an author. She's been on stages with Grant Cardone, as well as Oprah Winfrey several times. She's had much, much success. And I need to give her intro music just before I announce her name. Just one second. Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the barrel's in your mouth. Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. Please help me welcome Gloria Mayfield Banks. Yeah. Dr. Rowe, thank you so much. Oh my God, am I really here? Am I really on the Breakfast with Champions? Am I really here today? I'm so excited, Dr. Rowe. Thank you for this invitation. Glenn, your energy is off the chain. It Thank is you, off the dang on <laughs> chain. I mean, I've heard you. I've seen you. I mean, for real. But this morning, I mean, talk about loving Wednesday. I love Wednesday. And I love Tuesday. And I love Monday. I love it all. And I love all of y'all. So thank you so much. Living, caring, giving, sharing. Boy, oh boy, I love to work with the daring. A magic million? Can you imagine such? Of course you can. We've got to touch. I'm small in stature only, but I'm heavy in belief. I'm leading by example, so you can count on me as I flash my million dollar smile. The world will know it's all worthwhile because I'm banking on the magic and I'm banking on success and I'm banking on some people who simply want the best and I'm proud to be before you and I'm proud to be top rank. I'm an international success strategist, and my name is Gloria Mayfield Banks. And I'm yes. excited to be here with you, Ro. This is so good, Dr. Ro. I mean, for real, you guys. I'm, I'm honored to be here with you guys, the people who really see today is a magnificent day, and it's your day to change the day. I'm excited to be here for an interview, and I'm excited to answer any questions. I do have to say this. I have to say that um, I left a very high paying executive job to switch over to um, my entrepreneurship. I was assistant director of admissions back at Harvard Business School. After I attended the school, after I went through it, after I struggled with uh, dyslexia, 
I still went on and pushed myself. So I'm one who pushed myself and therefore I'm real strong at pushing others. So we're going to have a great conversation about what I do and how I do it and how I coach and how you create a top, top number one team breaking records over and over and over again. Dr. Rowe. Thank you so much, Gloria. I am just so honored to have you here. We all are. And I also forgot to mention that you do have an honorary doctorate degree, and I'm just proud of you for, for doing all that you've done. As we go into this, is there anything else you'd like to tell us briefly about your family or, or anything about yourself before we ask you specific questions? Yeah, I'd, I'd like people to know I've got a very uh, beautiful marriage. We're celebrating 25 years in September, and it's my second marriage. So for any of those who have gone through that dark place where I was married, 10 years of domestic violence, and then I was a single parent for seven years, and then I went to Florida on vacation. I mean, that's one thing about entrepreneurship, and one of it is the freedom to go. And I said to the person, I want to go on an eight-day vacation, not a seven-day vacation, not a five-day vacation. I want to go on an eight-day vacation. Went down to Florida, went wild, and that's where I met the Mr. Ken Banks, who is an amazing entrepreneur in his own right and a phenomenal, phenomenal supporter of me. And I always tell people it takes a strong man to lift a powerful woman. And that's what he's done for me in so many ways. And so we share four grown adults, five amazing grandchildren. And let me just say this right up front. When Glenn started talking yesterday about money or he started talking about money, but yesterday I really just like got this whole thing about money. You know, I say this over and over again, and I've said it for 30 years. I've stood on the platform. Everybody gets to choose their own platform. Money matters. Money matters and stop acting like it doesn't. Money matters and don't act like it doesn't. So Glenn, I am loving what you are giving this week on Rise and Grind, hashtag Rise and Grind, because it is about the money. Yes. And I could just, I could tell from your voice, when you said you went to Florida and got wild, I bet you, you got wild. You got wild. Did, but you know, you need money to have a good time. And I just absolutely love that. I absolutely love it. And that's when Dr. Well asked me about my family, when people ask me what drives me, I drive by choices. I'm driven by the choices I can make and the expansion of the choices that I can make and the expansion of the choices that those that are associated with me can make. So my passion runs very deep, very deep. Fantastic. Now you have had case studies written about you at Harvard. <laughs> and also you are number one, over 3.5 million women in Mary Kay. What top two lessons have you learned in your role as a leader and a salesperson? Well, well, you know, I, I'll tell you, as I was listening this morning, so many people have spoken to that, which is the education process, the reading, the, the wisdom, the experience. But if I were to tell you when I sat in a room, uh, actually, my husband and I were talking and said, you know, what is the what is the thing? What is the thing that helps other people become massively successful? And I always tell people that after faith and after your integrity, I honestly believe it's confidence. And that's under the umbrella of mindset. Um, and so I love coming to this, this clubhouse room because you guys deal so much with mindset. But I believe that confidence 
is probably the number one thing that everyone has to continue to understand that they work on it over and over and over again. The other thing that I think is so important is not just passion, but it's the right now passion goal. That's what moves person from where they are to where they're going. I know for a fact on August 15th, God told me that my purpose was to take people from ordinary to extraordinary. How do you get people from ordinary to extraordinary because the only way that you create a top producing team over and over and over again is because you teach other people how to succeed at a huge level and so I have to take people and let them understand that you can either operate in professionalism or you can operate in passion and you know that you're in passion when you can't go to sleep and you wake up with a sense of urgency that you just are on fire from the moment you get up and but you have to find your way to a right now passionate goal. So those two things are are really, really big for me. Really, really big. Phenomenal. Thank you so much. And I have to ask this, you know, Glenn's been talking <laughs> about money this whole week, as you said. How did you feel the moment you became a millionaire from everything that you had overcome and what advice would you give someone struggling to decide whether to move forward as an entrepreneur so they can make that first million? Oh, okay. So let me talk to everybody here because abundance is your right. It's a big deal and you're fighting it. And if you're fighting it, you need to let go of the fight. Um, my, transition to millionaire status was something I knew I was coming for. I went to Harvard Business School. I went to Howard. I went to Harvard. I went to those institutions knowing that going big was a big part of what I want to do. But someone gave me this slogan that I fell in love with, which was money was the measure of the pleasure you put into the lives of others. And so I've worked very hard to increase the amount of pleasure I give to other people. And um, I learned a lot of lessons along the way. When people say your dreams impact the dreams of others, my million dollar status and then my multi-million dollar status and then my multi-multi-million dollar status has just given to me the idea that I've created thousandaires and millionaires over and over again. I, I, I have to tell you that. I remember when I went through a divorce situation and being in a broke situation. So if I'm talking to anybody here who's had financial struggle and you like feel like what in the world you've been through a dark, dark tunnel, I was there. But my point is, is that when you understand that you were once broke and you will never go there again. I speak differently to people. I talk differently when I'm in front of people. I will say to them, I love you. I appreciate you, but I will never depend on you. I will never depend on anyone because I will never depend on someone to do for me what I'm not willing to do for myself. And so the millionaire status that I've achieved, I'm really grateful. I believe it's come to me and to others because of the attitude of gratitude, but I'm not surprised by it. And I want so many more people to have it. A lot of people to have it. Love that about you. You've always been a selfless woman with a heart of goal. I appreciate you. Mm. What has been your greatest downfall and how did you rise above it? <laughs> well, when, okay, so I gotta tell you a couple of things. Number one, the hardest thing for me to get over when I was building 
a team and as I build now and even in all my ventures when I get step off a stage people will say Gloria I just can't be like you I just can't be like you I just can't be like you and I keep saying you don't have to be me you're not supposed to be me you got to be the best version of yourself you've got to learn how to become the best version of yourself and I, I do want to talk to people about that because there's a path to learning how to be the best version of yourself because desire alone won't bring it but my downfall has been my greatest asset my biggest downfall, Dr. Rowe, was believing that I could fix anybody. So one of the reasons I stayed in that domestic violence situation so long was because I really believed I could change, even though someone else didn't want to change. I had never seen domestic violence. I wasn't aware of any of it. I grew up in a phenomenal middle class a home in Detroit. My Both my parents were educators. It was amazing. I'm the third of four girls. It was amazing. All of them are brilliant entrepreneurs right now. I mean, like brilliant entrepreneurs. And when I uh, discovered dyslexia, when my parents found out I was dyslexic, I grew up in a house of massive encouragement. Like, I believe that that is such a big part of how we do it. And if you if you want to be more encouraged, you give out more than what you want. So you give out more encouragement and you'll get a lot of it back. So for me to set on those stages that you've mentioned before, it is because of that shift, the pivot. Someone spoke about that. I pivoted from the fact that I am here and can change everybody to the point where I will only change those who are willing to change themselves. And when you find somebody who's willing to work for themselves, then I am so willing to help them. But I stopped believing that I could help everybody, even though they didn't want to help themselves. And the other thing that I mastered was emotional management. And that's one of the biggest gifts that I give to people is the ability to master their emotions because that was a downfall for me. Oh my gosh, a time waster. You get mad, you waste time. You get angry, you waste time. You sit in the wrong situation, you waste time. And you find yourself on the couch, sucking your thumb in the fetal position for hours, wasting time when it is a matter of managing it. And so those are the two things I learned how to manage. Absolutely love it. And I love what you talked about with the emotions. That's so vital in mm -hmm. the realm of sales, but in life. So thank you. Right. So what was the inspiration for you to write Quantum Leaps, your book, 10 Steps to Help You Soar? <laughs> well, I will say that when I listen to some of the top producers in all the places that, you know, people get to, they talk about reading, 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 reading. And I can honestly tell you, reading is a struggle for me. I do listen to books on tape, but reading is a struggle. I'm very fortunate that you can learn so many different ways. So when someone came to me and heard me speak and heard me teach, his name is Mac Anderson, and he owned a book company, and he said, Gloria, would you please write a book? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not writing a book. I'm not writing a book. I'm dyslexic. I'm not writing a book. Four years, four years, he aggressively came after me, Gloria, write this book, write your book, write the book, write the book, write the book on how to break records. How do you break records over and over and over? I was like, no, no, I'm not gonna write a book, I'm not gonna write a book, I'm dyslexic, I'm not gonna write a book. And then he said, I'm dyslexic too. I said, wait a minute, you own a book company and you're dyslexic? He said, yeah, I said, okay, I'll write a book. So <laughs> my assistant put me in a room and she got me a hotel room like right down the street. She said, don't come out of that room. 
until you've started like really writing. When I tell you, when people ask me about writing a book, when authors talk and they say it like literally flows out of you, out of your wisdom, out of your experiences, what you know, how you have the fever in which I wrote. I wrote this book called Quantum Leaps. It's 10 very specific steps to help a person really have a quantum leap. And I've taught it over and over again in different capacities, but it's what I really believe. I tell, I didn't ghost write it. No one helped me did it. I just did it myself. And when I tell people, if you read a book written by a dyslexic person, trust and believe there's no big words in there you can't handle. So I was inspired to write it because so many people were asking me and you train things over and over again. And if you're like most of us, we have to hear something over and over and over and over and over and over again. Glenn's message about money matters, message about you've got to make more money. I mean, that is a conversation that I have with so many people that it's not enough. Stop with this conversation that it's enough. It's not enough. What you, you don't have enough joy. You don't have enough energy. You don't have. And when I when I say that you don't have enough, it's because you can get more. It doesn't mean that you're not enough. It is that if you settle for what you have, if you take away your hunger, if you understand the power of digging deeper, you can get more. And so I, I hope I drive people for a greater amount of abundance and to break bigger records by the fact that I wrote a book about making quantum leaps. I am so proud of you. And to you know go over that barrier that you would have for dyslexia and say, I can do it anyway, and then follow the lead of the company. That is amazing. I'm so proud of you. Awesome. Thank you. You are so welcome. Now you have enjoyed tremendous success. You've helped entrepreneurs all over the world. And I've seen that with my own eyes. And I'm so excited that you're now creating this exclusive group coaching. We'll talk even more about this in when we have you back in an hour. Mm -hmm. um, but can you tell us just minimally a little bit about your program that's called Queendom? Well, you know, I, I'm going to calm down because I, I really do get excited. <laughs> I start talking. And the bottom line is people will talk a lot about the organizations that they want to build and the desire that they want to uh, create for a lifelong place for them to perform, for them to feel successful, for them to feel progress. And I created Queendom so that people would feel a place where they can focus and invest on themselves. When you become your best self, you become best for your family, you become best for your career because you're the best for your community. It's just a different slight of working with it because so many people are ambitious and capable, but they're stuck and they're frustrated. And so when I listen to what we do with other people to help them pass the place, you know, to move from a place, a place of 50,000 to 500,000 to $5 million, it's becoming unstuck. And so that's what the Queendom is all about. It is a path to get you focused on your next. What's next? It, for me, I had to go to the next place in order to build. And I love Martin Luther King's quote who says, don't focus on the staircase, focus on what's next. 
And so when I have people DM me in my Instagram, I ask people to DM the word next in my Instagram because I love to be able to instruct people on how to get to their next. And once you teach a person how to fly, they can fly over and over again. Well, they can fly over and over again. I love it. And you are truly humble, Gloria. I mean, people do not realize it how much you have helped so many people and you never talk about your millions. Uh, I brought that up here, but, but I mean, I, I have watched this. It's like a metamorphosis situation. You know, you were a butterfly right from the beginning. I think you skipped the caterpillar caterpillar uh, phase because I watched you over the years and I've always admired you um, in person from afar. Uh, when I met Mary Kay herself and saw mm. age and I, I never sold that I, I was in sales and did very well, but watched you just grow so many people. And I am just honored to have you here today. Um, before I move on, and I, I know we're going to have a whole nother hour with you at, at the top of the hour at eight mm. o'clock. Mm. I want to give people that are here that need to maybe get back to work question yeah. or opportunity to ask you questions. But I'm going to start with Glenn first. Glenn, do you have any questions or comments of Gloria? Hey, listeners. If you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Glenn Lundy, are you there? I'm going to assume that he may have stepped out just for a minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, so if you guys can flash your mics, Dr. Janie is going to help me identify anyone that has questions or comments for Gloria right now, and we will... Um, take this in order so that we don't um, talk over people. Hi, Dr. Rowe. Hi, Gloria. Hi. Great segment. Um, Michael Huey had flashed his mic first. So um, that was the first person I seen. Hey, Gloria, thank you so much. I just wanted to say that um, watching a humble woman of God just mm. um, looked just i've learned so much from 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 you know I, I always say this to my wife that women are smarter than men um <laughs> and and that you know uh when you when you looked at what you've been through and you faced adversity and then you just continued to use that to inspire other people i just want people to know that um i've i've followed you i'm going to read your book um, I'm going to encourage my wife to read your book. I just want to say thank you for uh, inspiration and and thank you for setting an example for some of us who now can listen, lean in and listen and then go and implement some of the things. So I'm excited mm. to hear more uh, about you. This is my morning where I go and spend some a morning with two of my 85 year old clients Wow! Uh, and, and we play golf and we pray and we talk mm -hmm. about the Lord and we encourage mm -hmm. one another. So I'm going to be listening while I'm hitting that little white ball. So thank you thank for who you. you are. Thank you. God bless that. you. Thank, thank you, you Gloria. Saying those words implementation, because it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to teach people how to implement. So I thank you and have a good time hitting the ball. Wow. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Thank you. Thomas, I saw you flashing. 
Good morning. Good morning, Dr. Rao. Gloria, thank you so much for being so vulnerable in opening yourself up and being so humble and transparent. The question, you spoke about emotional intelligence, and I think success comes from emotional maturity. What happened to you that unstuck you at that time, where you were like exactly in that fetal position? And, and what would you tell people that are stuck to get out? Because mm -hmm. the leap in that quantum that you were describing is from getting from that position of stuck to be unstucked. Mm -hmm. So if you can please share that, that would be lovely. Thank you so much. This is Thomas and I'm done. Thomas, thank you for that question. I appreciate that so much because I deal with a lot. Number one, I draw to myself ambitious people. And one of the ways I draw to myself ambitious people is that I say it over and over again. We do know that the words we use have a ton of power in them. So I thank you for that. I also tell people, you know, when you go to GloriaMayfieldBanks.com slash free, there is a gift waiting for you guys to talk about next. But to answer the question that you said, because they won't go for that if they're not sure they're going to gain something. So for me to unstick a, um, uh, a person that's stuck is to first get them to articulate, really articulate in their words what they want to do next. Because our dreams are really big, but do you know what's right in front of you first? You know, we heard that a couple of times this morning. I could hit in my blind spot, but what are you going to do next? And then the other thing that I say that was really strong, I heard it again this morning, is that the place of accountability. Are you willing to be accountable? Like in a very small place where you have to go and do, maybe it's follow-up, maybe it's asking questions, maybe it's doing something you're afraid of. Do, can, are you are you smart enough to say that if I don't do that, I'm going to give somebody $200? You don't have the $200, so that makes you move. If I heard someone say this the other day, if I don't do this, then I'm going to wash my girlfriend's laundry for a week. What are you putting in front of yourself that causes you to move when you don't feel like moving? Because all of us have times we don't feel like moving. For me, I could not even imagine having a failed marriage. I couldn't even imagine it. But just one person called me and said, my cousin called me, she says, I'm done. She said, I'm done with that. When she said she was done, I became done. And it made me move as to what's next. You don't just wake up one morning and say, I'm gone. You take a sheet of paper, you put down the plans and you say, these are the next three steps I need to take. When I'm taking those three steps, let me tell everybody here, the one thing you need to know is that success is defined by progress. And when you feel like you're having progress, you move in the right direction. If you want to move people from stuck to success, give them the next three steps and get them in a movement towards their desire. They will start to feel better. It causes the right emotions to sur surface and you'll move in the right directions. Thomas, thank you for that question. Fantastic. We have one last question right now from Dr. Jamie and take it away, Dr. Jamie. Hi, Gloria. Thank you again for this segment. You know, it really piqued my ear and I would love for you to speak on this for a minute. I'm just in the healing space and I work with a lot of women that leave toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. CEOs, C-suites, high powerful women um, up and down the economical chain. But what would you say to women, to a woman who that may be in the audience right now, who that is her situation. She's 
embarrassed. She's ashamed. She's in this situation. No one knows. She doesn't want to let her family know, but she's trying to figure out her next move. I'm just wondering your thoughts, Gloria. Thank you, Dr. Janie. Uh, Dr. Janie, when I tell you, when you were asking me that question, I hope some of them were just were holding their head like I was like, oh my gosh, I know, I know. Okay, so first I want to tell you this. And Dr. Janie, I, I know you feel this way. A secret is the most, it's the heaviest thing you can carry. A secret is the heaviest thing you can carry. And the shame and the guilt comes from a level of what you're afraid people are going to find out about you. And when you're a very powerful person, who's made some poor decisions, you first got to know that everybody has made poor decisions in their past. Nobody gets to adulthood without making some poor decisions. So you're spending yourself judging yourself and other people, when you judge yourself, you give other people permission to do the same. So what I do is I strip away people's ability to judge me by telling my truth. I tell people that transparency is the best gift you can give to yourself and give to others. Like for instance, I've been abused. I started Harvard Business School with a black eye. That was the first time I put makeup on my face and I ended up selling makeup for the next 30 years. However, when I told the story, no one could judge me about the story because I've told the story. So for those women who might be struggling financially or they're afraid to tell their family, because I was there. I mean, I knocked on my sister's door at two o'clock in the morning and she's like, what is it? And I'm like, I'm not telling you. I mean, that was such a crazy way for me to operate, but that's all I knew. So uh, my advice is to tell your truth and get from underneath that stone or that piece of luggage of the secret that you're carrying because you can't move at the swiftness that you are able to move when you're spending so much time hiding behind the tree. And that's what I would say, Dr. Drain. Thank you, Gloria. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent question. Well said. Else. Thank you. And thank you. And I'm so glad that you survived that, that you're here to speak about it and that you have taken a self and servant leadership position in helping others so much. Gloria, we know we're going to have you in a, just a little bit at the top of the hour at eight to ask more questions. So I'd like to say to everyone in the audience to do two things. First, go and get that free gift from Gloria. And you can find that at Gloria Mayfield Banks. It's on her um, profile, her full name, GloriaMayfieldBanks.com forward slash free. So go get that free gift. And then also any questions you have right now or comments, save them. And at eight o'clock at the top of the hour of Eastern Standard Time, we're gonna continue this conversation for an hour with the renowned Gloria Bank. <laughs> I am just so um, excited. I can't even speak right now. So um, let's unflat or on uh, mic and just give her a hand right now for this beautiful segment. Thank you. God. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ro. Thank you, Dr. Ro. Thank you all for your thank you. Appreciate it. Got my tambourine. Got my tambourine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That was nice. That was nice. That was nice. I'm here. I'm here. All right. We will see Miss Gloria in one hour. And at the moment, you are sitting in the Breakfast with Champions Millionaire Club. This is the place to be for breakfast, the best breakfast table in the world. If you have not clicked on the top 
of the greenhouse right above Glenn, Dr. Shine, and Monica. Please do so. Follow our club so you don't miss anything that we're doing. Also, we welcome all the party hats in the room. Welcome to Clubhouse. Welcome to this room. We are about to segue into an amazing, amazing segment with the wonderful Bill. And I must preface all of you to just brace your hat when you transition to the way he intros, but all of us know on the stage exactly what's about to happen. So let's unmic and welcome Bill. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Hey, 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 Hey, Bill! Hey! <laughs> let's so, go, Bill! Let's do it, man. Let's do it. We're going to talk first about long-term investments in yourself, your business, your life. We live in a transactional society right now. I think we all would agree that instant gratification is everywhere around us. However, when you look at the most successful businesses in the world, a very small percentage of them are service-based businesses. You know, the kind of businesses that just do things for people, you know, just do work for people. There's infrastructure to the most successful businesses in the world. There's actual meat and potatoes behind the businesses that are most successful in the world. The challenge with that is that the longer term you focus in your life and your business, the scarier it is in the now. Just think for a moment and probably not a lot of businesses are going to come to your mind, but just think for a moment, how many social media platforms failed, did not succeed like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, how many Facebook equivalents didn't make it? How many tech founders are just as talented as Mark Zuckerberg are just as talented as Jack Dorsey who founded Twitter are just as talented as any of these tech startup founders, Evan Spiegel, Snapchat, that nobody will ever know. Are they wrong for pursuing something, for building something that didn't succeed? Like, the reason we don't take big bets is because we're afraid of failure right? But what people miss is the innovation factor. Because Facebook wasn't successful because of its first version. I'll say that again. Facebook wasn't successful because of its first version. None of these social media apps that we use, most of them, they were created for a different purpose than what the founder set out to be. Like Facebook was originally designed to connect people within college campuses. 
Is that the primary purpose it serves now? Facebook was created when the world was primarily desktop based, not mobile. Is that where the majority of people who use Facebook are on desktop now? No. The, literally, the core assumptions of the most successful businesses in the world have most of them have completely been flipped up on their head. Because innovation is actually the priority. It's not the first iteration of whatever it is you're doing right now that's going to make you successful. It's not the first version of whatever it is you're doing right now that's going to make you successful. We all know this, but it's the relationship to change that we all together need to work on. If our relationship to change is a positive, uplifting, expectant relationship, we expect change, we'll never be caught off guard when change comes. But what happens with most people in their relationship to change is we don't work on that relationship. So what happens? We get into a routine. Yeah. And believe me, there's a time and place for routines, right? Routines in your morning, right? Your morning routine. Routines in how you plan your day. Routines in your health. Routines in your family. Spending quality time with your family. Routines are important for recurring behaviors in your life. However, routines can be death on your journey to success at the same time. Because I've said this before, sometimes our deepest skills become our deepest what? Does anyone want to unmute and guess real quick? Our deepest skills can become our deepest what? Liabilities. Fears. Fears. Right? All the above. Our deepest skills can become our deepest ruts. R-U-T, ruts. We get stuck in our skills. We get stuck in the way we've been doing things. And then we don't question the paradigm on which we're operating. And then you see innovators. In industry, you know, someone that just came to mind, Brian Benstock. You know, there, there's these one percenters in every industry. In the auto industry, Brian Benstock's one of them, right? He's he's innovating the business model through which people buy cars, and he, you know, was voted the number one sales in in Honda in the world. I mean, that's insane. You don't get number one in anything without innovation. Okay, Kobe Bryant, you could apply this to sports. Okay, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, you think they just did what their high school co coaches taught them in their training regimen? Of course not. They innovated. Do you know the common denominator? Everyone misses this. Common denominator of, of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant in how they won championships. What skill did they focus on most? What do you think? 
Take your guess. Themselves. It's actually the opposite of themselves. Investing in others. Correct. They entered the league all focused on themselves. And what happened? They came out as amazing athletes. Oh my God, Michael Jordan, another 60 point game. Oh my God. Da, da, da. But they weren't winning championships. So Michael and Kobe had literally an identical personal development realization in their lives. And they realized this isn't about me. This is about the team. This is about me making others better. This is about me balancing my personal performance with the team's performance. And there are certain times I'm going to have to step back from personal performance in exchange for the championship. Because if I'm the one that always has to score the basket, that means the problem is way bigger than me it's the it's the whole team so there was literally and you guys probably if you watched the last dance you remember this there was a moment where kobe bryant stepped in for shaquille o'neal um when shaq was out and and then shaq comes back after an injury and you know phil jackson sits down with kobe bryant and says hey we're losing the big guy and Kobe's like, what? Dude, I just scored like 60 points last game. You kidding me? Like, what do you what do you ask me to do? He's like, I need you to score less and I need you to pass the ball more. Or we're gonna lose, we're gonna lose the big guy. We're gonna lose him in, in mentally. He needs a little bit of the spotlight. He needs a little bit more of the ball. So Kobe fought and kicked and screamed, Oh, come on, Phil, that's stupid. Man. I'm scoring so much. Blah, blah, blah. And what happened? He listened to Phil. He started passing the ball to Shaq more. Shaq gets in the limelight. Shaq starts, you know, feeling confident again. They start winning again. They start winning more, I should say. Michael Jordan had the same experience. Comes out of the league. They're not winning championships, though. So then his focus went entirely to this one word. I want you to, if you are in front of something, you can write this down. I want you to obsess over this one word. I want you to, I want you to peel into this one word. Role model leadership. Role model leadership. This is the thing that, that every successful business business owner, athlete, successful person embodies role model leadership. I don't, I don't, there's no reason I should ever get frustrated with the people around me being out of shape if I'm out of shape too. Hey champions, guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live. Every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not going to regret it. See you there. Right? Like, 
what if what if your life was studied by a forensic scientist and they came back to you with a research report and everything on that report said hey without your stories without your rationalizations without the lies you tell yourself here's your real health here's your health on a scale here's a picture of your body here's your posture scan here's um here's your health habits here's your cardiovascular health here's the stats here's how it measures up against the healthiest people in the world no stories hey here's your financial report here's how you're doing compared to others here's where you could be with your full potential right your relationship report Here's how much time you're spending on average with people that love you. Here's how much time you're spending empathetically listening to those around you. Here's how much time you're spending inspiring others around you. Here's an objective report on how you're managing relationships in your life. Here's your spirituality report. You say God's important to you. Here are the actions we've measured. Okay? Imagine seeing that report, okay? Imagine this. And then imagine your life is going to end in three days. Everything you've created in the universe gets erased. Every piece of content, every conversation you've ever had. And that research report is the only way you can teach your kids, you can teach your family, you can teach the people you work with the way of life imagine if literally an objective report of our lives was the only lesson we could ever hand someone now imagine we'll take this a bigger level Imagine on top of that, there's literal film attached to the report. You cannot speak over this film. You can't justify. You can't explain over the film. Literally, it is just film of you carrying out your daily behaviors. Okay? It's literally, here's how much time, here's film of, you know, you sitting down throughout the day with bad posture. Here's film of, you know, you, uh, your, your definition of pushing yourself in the gym. Here's film of, you know, how immersed you were at that family get together that you were at. <laughs> now I'm going to turn even, turn it up even more. Imagine if that film was displayed in front of 7 billion people and the research report, okay, and the film. And all of this is the only way through which you could teach those that you care about the most how to live life. No stories, no excuses, no I'm too busy, no blah, 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 blah. Action, action, action. Role model leadership. 
You know who were the first people in the gym every day? Kobe and Michael. You know who pushed the hardest in practice? Kobe and Michael. You know who pushed the team the hardest and it was expected? Kobe and Michael. Right? Role model leadership. Now, this is the world that we're in now, right? We look at amazing people like Grant Cardone. We look at amazing people like Ed Milet, you know, Patrick Bet David. Um, you know, a, a lot of these thought leaders today, they have something behind their lives that's real. Like Cardone has, you know, 200 employees and is doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. If you look at his Google Trends graph at how many people type his name in every month, as soon as he bought a jet, his name literally skyrocketed. It's very interesting. Role model leadership. I don't want to talk about being successful. Dude, I own a freaking jet. Follow me. I don't want to talk about growing a business. I have 200 employees. Follow me. Just, just study what I do. It's the most, most ethical way you could ever live your life. Nothing to hide. People all the time tell me and a couple of other close business associates of mine that we're too open about everything we do. Too open about the failures, too open about the ups and downs, too open about what's not working. I'm like, dude, if I, if I have to tiptoe around about every word I say, like whoever I'm feeling like I got to tiptoe around, I got to get them out of my life because I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to play this art of war way of life. The art of war where you kind of bite your tongue, you know, and you don't, you kind of hold things back and dude, just, just out, just outdo people. You don't have to outplay people. Just, just actually do the thing, right? Role model leadership. So picture this, we have a research report on your life. We have film of how you live your life. It's publicly accessible to everyone in the world. It's the only way you can teach those that you love how to live life. How would that change every moment of your life. Think about how severe that is. It's completely selfless, by the way. Completely selfless. Right? So we're taking a step back. Just picture this with me for a second. We're taking a step back right now. If you're standing up, literally like Take a step back right now, like a literal step backwards, okay? I want you to, as you take a step back in your mind or in your body right now, I want you to literally picture you're stepping back from your current identity. Take a step backwards. I'm doing this right now in a field. Take a step backwards from your identity for a second. Realize that identity, the person you the things you have been acting on that you just took a step back from, almost 
all of that is controllable. That identity you're looking at right now, we're, we took a step back and you're looking at your current set of habits, behaviors, actions. Okay? We're looking at this with an with a objective eye. Hmm, why do I feel so tired in the morning? Why do I miss workouts? Why am I not consistent with my diet? What is my relationship to food? Do I believe food gives me energy? Or do I believe purpose gives me energy? Because when you're staring at that chocolate cake in the fridge and you have a why that exceeds the chocolate cake, you won't eat the chocolate cake. Oh crap, no, I'm trying to be a role model here. I'm not gonna eat a chocolate cake, you kidding me? What else can I eat that's healthy? Actually, I'm not even hungry. Let's go do something productive. See that shift there? That's taking a step back from your habits for a minute. What's my relationship to food, diet, health? What's my relationship? What are the lies I've told myself about relationships? For those workaholics out there, let me get some mic flashes for my workaholic crew. Let me see some of the workaholics. Okay, all right, getting a couple, getting a couple. I'm definitely one of them. Okay, Patricia, I see you. Kelsey. Okay, I see you guys, Renee, Debbie, Jessica. I see all the mic flashes. See, one of the things about when you're a workaholic is you convince yourself that it's an all or nothing game. It's like, well, I'm just so busy, can't spend time with people. So busy, can't really focus on my health. I'm so busy, can't do you know, the important things in my life. If we take a step back from our identity, we inspect it, we realize that identity will be the role model for future generations, for those we love. We'll make changes. Right? It's not enough to just have these stories run through your head until you die. Now, self-acceptance within this process, we all know it's vital. If I'm not, if, if I'm terrible at detail orientation, okay, once I get to a financial level where I can delegate that and hire someone to help me with those details and hire an assistant, blah, 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 blah. This is how we need to be thinking. Great, uh, when we get to that point, Awesome, I'll be, I'll be bad at the details. But right now, I don't have time to be bad at the details. How many of you, this is a very funny statement I, I've said before on stage, and, and it's really funny. How many of you feel you're bad at details, but miraculously, for those of you who started a business, miraculously, when you started a business, when you started on something new and exciting, you had all the attention to detail in the world. You didn't miss anything. Let me get some mic flashes, right? When urgency is high, Brielle, Kelsey, I see you guys, and everyone else who's flashing, right? When urgency is high, when you start on something new, dude, it's, it's a survival requirement to have attention to detail. When I started my company, dude, I am 
terrible at details. Like I'm the worst detail person ever. I will tell you this for the first 18 months of starting my company, I didn't miss a freaking thing, not a misspelling, nothing. I mean, like, like I triple checked everything I did because since I have ADD and, and traits of dyslexia, I have to slow down before I send emails or stuff because I will miss things. So I adjusted, right? We all have this dialogue in our heads about the things we're bad at. Dude, sorry, if now's not the time to be bad at it, then stop telling yourself that. Say, I must be good at details right now. I gotta be, there's no choice, okay? If I'm introverted and I gotta get myself out there, I gotta get known, I gotta get on the phone, I got to get opportunities working. Dude, I don't have time to be introverted right now. What are you gonna do? Just not, not live your purpose because you're introverted? Dude, you gotta learn strategically to extrovert. You have to learn the art of extroversion consciously. It's not enough to say I'm introverted if you if that doesn't align with what's required. Okay, do you think Michael and Kobe naturally wanted to pass the ball? Yes or no? What do you think? Just born to pass the ball. That's their purpose. Hell no, they want to achieve, they want to be champions. <laughs> yeah, right? They got the killer instinct, right? Michael and Kobe, they're like, dude, I do not want to pass the ball. No, I want to take this ball. I want to, uh, that's what the real animal them wants, right? They don't want to pass the ball. They had to learn what's required to win championships. So this is, this is the thing I'm sharing, is the exact, I said our deepest skills form our deepest ruts. We start out in our lives, in our pursuits, in our business. We start out being the individual performer. So good myself, right? We do personal training. I am such a good personal trainer. Right? If we do coaching, I am the best coach ever. If we do whatever it is, cooking, you name it, any, any trade, marketing services. Right? The thing that gets us into our pursuit of greatness is actually the top thing that will hold us back from the next level of growth. If you want to change the world through personal training, through coaching, through marketing, through whatever vertical it is you do, you have to learn to build a team to provide that service without you. The definition of a business is this, a commercial profitable enterprise that works without you. That is one definition of a business. 
a commercial profitable enterprise that works without you. A job is you doing the work all day. And then another 10 years pass and you're still doing the work all day. And another 10 years pass and you're still doing the work all day. And then you die. Think of all the people you didn't inspire because you didn't learn how to delegate. Right? So what gets us in on our pursuit to greatness, individual performance, is actually our biggest bottleneck. Right? What did we just do a few minutes ago? We took a step back from our identity. We took a step backwards physically. We're looking at this thing called our identity. We're going, hmm, would I suggest this? Would I recommend this to someone else? Would I recommend someone else step into this? What happens here is it wakes you up. Full immersion. Full immersion is the answer. What percent of people do you think are sleepwalking through life? As Warren Buffett said. Take a guess. Let's unmute real quick. Take a quick guess. How many, what percent of human beings on earth do you think are sleepwalking through life? 75. 90. 80. 80. 90. 98. 95. <laughs> 98, 95. We started going up the scale. I don't, I don't know the statistics. I don't know how to calculate 80. that. Bye. 85, nine, a lot of you said above 80. Think of how scary that is, guys. I mean, gosh. Full immersion. The first step is to eliminate or have very tough conversations with the two to three people that just came to your mind when I said this that are tapped out sleepwalking through life your duty today is to have either a a hard conversation with that person or people that come to your mind or b if it's at the end of the road and you know it gotta say bye jack came forward has increased its sales by over 136 percent my name is travis flaherty we have seen over 55 percent increase in sales jeremy downing here we finished our month off at not even a 20 percent increase but a 30 percent increase hey guys jean paul gidry here now i've experienced massive increases of 156%, collectively 125%. My name is Kevin Sturrisnatter. We went an increase of 50%. 50%, we went from 50 units to 75 units. We had a 39% growth in volume. This stuff works! I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the 800% Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. 
So I wanna open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. Right? And then as soon as we start surrounding ourselves with the crazies, you know, the people that get criticized for being obsessed, these are the ones that start Fortune 500 companies. These are the ones who become billionaires. These are the Bill Gates of the world who created the, the term the 10 dark years where he literally practically slept under his desk for 10 years to change the world. Right? These are the crazies. Steve Jobs made a commercial about this back in the day. As soon as you're surrounded by that, everything changes. And it's literally like it's this, it, you start gaining this, this gut feeling. This person is not there. It's a small glaze over their eyes. It's, is that person even here? And over time, you're able to see that way faster and you're able to make decisions around that i remember when i was in college and i don't know where i got this from but i literally one day i one day was just like well i'm not gonna hang out with these two specific people not gonna mention their names two specific people they were smoking pot every day in school i wanted to become successful I was doing music at the time, so I was surrounded by a lot of people who were just like not based the genre that I was in. It was like everyone was drinking alcohol or smoking weed all the time. And I remember one day I called these two people and said, if you turn around your life, I would love to let you in but this isn't me anymore. Fast forward, it's been, it's been over, oh God, I don't even know, it's gonna date me. I don't know, 10, 15 years. I, I don't know the exact time frame. I have not seen them once. I hear little things from friends of friends of friends and they're still the same way they were. They didn't change. They're doing nothing with their lives right now. That was a really scary decision. And I went through three months of having zero friends. I literally had to abandon an entire group of friends. It's the best decision I ever made. I don't know where I got that from because I wasn't that into personal development at that point. It was, it was a trusting of the gut. Full immersion full immersion, if your life was studied, how in it were you? How mentally there were you when you were in the gym, when you were at work? Were you fully alive and present and mentally engaged? Did you give yourself the opportunity, the opportunity to live a great life? By setting up your habits properly, learning how to sleep, 
learning how to rest, learning how to actually work out, not passively. You know, everyone says, just show up, just show up. That's the meaning of success. Just show up, just show up. You know what Kobe and Michael said when people would say, just show up? They would laugh in their face and say, okay, buddy. Yeah, you, you just show up. All right, I'm going to be making a thousand free throws while you're just showing up. Because here's the difference. Elite performers, elite successful people, the, the things you say just show up to, that's their minimum requirements. They don't need a pat on the back for showing up. That's expected, man. Come on. They don't need a pat on the back for making the playoffs. That's expected. Come on. They don't need a pat on the back for breaking a sweat while working. That's expected. See the, see the tone of voice there? It's like, come on. It's expected. You want to win a championship? You can't just show up. You can't just show up to the gym. You can't just show up and then mentally not be there with your family. Show up and then be on your phone the whole time. True or false? Let me get some mic flashes if you agree with me. Does anyone agree here? I see you, Tamara, Dora, Dr. Rowe, Patricia, Megan, Doug, Jay, Jeff, Rachel, okay, Jason, Brandy, Shirley. Guys, we can't just show up, man. That, that, that's average. Do you want, has, has anyone ever looked up the definition of the word great versus the word good? Completely different. Completely different. Good is literally minimum acceptable. It's good. The word good essentially says here was, here was the expectation. Expectation was met. It doesn't define the size of the ex expectation. It doesn't define any detail behind the ex. It could be the lowest expectation ever. I did it good. I did it good. 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 The definition of great, do this today. Take a minute today. Trust me. Take one minute, one minute, 60 seconds. Can everyone take 60 seconds? Open up your computer. Open up two browsers. On one of the browsers, I want you to type in the word good definition. In the other browser, I want you to type in great definition. Pull these two tabs open in your computer, one on the left, one on the right, and read them. Just look at them next to each other. Feel the emotional difference between the word great and good. Because good means, here's minimum standard, did it. Great is in excess, in excess, exceptional, okay? Beyond minimum standard, beyond the standard, regardless of what the standard is. Greatness is beyond the standards, People in business, they call, they call processes, right? You know, operating procedures, blah, 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 blah. They call them SOPs, standard operating procedures, standard operating procedures, standard operating procedures. One day I thought to myself, what the heck is this? 
standard operating. <laughs> that is stupid. So at our company, we don't call them SOPs or standard operating procedures. We call them EOPs, excellence operating procedures. Our, literally everyone at my company refers to a new process that needs to be built as an EOP. Every single person at my company, EOP. What's the EOP on that? I don't want a standard operating procedure. I want excellence operating procedures. Right? Just show up. Then you'll be successful. What they didn't tell you is that's step one. That's step one. Okay? So if we inspect this identity, this, this chain of habits that we're living in right now with exercise, relationships, business, it ain't going to be a pretty sight, guys. Because we're all off balance somewhere. Messy, massive action, okay? Grant Cardone wrote a book called 10X Rule. This book changed probably millions of people's lives, probably over a million people's lives. Let me know if you ever read the book 10X Rule. Let me see some mic flashes real quick if you ever read The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. Okay, Gloria, I see. Who else? TM, Megan, Renee, Debbie, Doug, Jay. Marcy, okay, and whoever else I miss, thank you guys. This book, Dr. Rowe, okay, 10X rule, like, it made a claim around massive action. It, it, it basically awakened a lot of people who thought they were taking massive action and thought they were thinking big. What did Grant say in that book? His biggest mistake wasn't the massive action part. It was the big thinking part. Right? I want to add a word before massive action. Messy massive action. M-M-A. Messy massive action. It's going to be messy. You're going you're gonna to mess up your diet some days. You're going to mess up your relationship some days. You're going to mess up business decisions some days. Expect it. It's our relationship to greatness that holds us back the most because we think we got to be a perfectionist with it. No, 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 no. Habit formation is not a clear cut. Charles Duhigg wrote a book called The Power of Habit. In this book, he makes a very, very interesting claim. First of all, a lot of our personality is habits. A lot of our action behaviors are habits. How do we change a habit? Well, a lot of people say 66 days, University College London. Some people say 21 days to form a habit. Dude, wake up. Every habit's different. There is no exact timeline to form a habit. Okay? Like, if the habit is I want to stop tapping my left finger at 3 p.m. every day, that's an easy habit to break. There's a complexity scale on habits. To change your whole life takes years, years. That's like 80 to 90 to 300 micro habits all in one. 
to become an elite athlete, okay? Michael Jordan didn't read a book and go, in 66 days of hard, disciplined work, I can become the greatest ever. True or false? Right? He didn't, he didn't say, he, he didn't say uh, 66 days if I follow through with this one thing. Dude, we're overthinking it. It's a commitment to the end result. The end of the end of the end of the end result. To where you're willing to go through whatever it takes. Whatever hard conversations have to happen. Whatever looking in the mirror you have to do. You're on this for a 10, 20, 40, 50 year ride. And hey, if anyone wants to come ride with me, let's do it. But I'm riding alone. I want everyone to picture this for a moment. You're dancing in a field. I learned this from one of my mentors. You're dancing in a field. This is your purpose. This is you having a big picture for the future. Picture this. You're dancing in a field. Okay. There's a hundred people around you. They're all picnicking. They have a, you know, they have blankets out in a big field. Okay. These people are eating. They're being quiet. They're picnicking. It's a Sunday. And here you come with a jukebox or with a, with a little, uh, with the stereo. You go to the center of this big field. There's like a hundred people around you, right? And you freaking press the play button and you start dancing out loud in the middle of this field. Like, woo, 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 woo. Whatever. You're dancing, 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 dancing. You're having the time of your life. 20 minutes will go by. Nobody will dance with you. 21 minutes is when most people would stop dancing because you'd feel stupid. Nah, it's stupid. If you make it to the 21st minute, someone from that field sees how much fun you're having and they start dancing with you. Now there's two people dancing. People look, what the heck are these people? Still dancing, dancing, dancing. 25 minutes a third person's bored as heck having this picnic they go dude i'm dancing with these people they're having a blast third person comes right another couple minutes fourth person then a family comes over three people now we're up to like seven or eight right then another whole group of people comes up another 10 now we're at 17 18 Music is still pumping. You're still dancing the same way you were dancing in the beginning 20 minutes. Dancing, dancing. Oh, now there's 20 people surrounded you, surrounding you. Okay, Jay, keep dancing. Eventually, another group of 20 people come. Now you got 40 people. Now 40% of this entire field's dancing to the beat of your drum. And then eventually everyone gets up except for a select few people and dances with you. Isn't that the path to success? I can't think of a better way to explain success than that example. Because in the beginning, 
for those first 20 minutes of that dance. I mean, it, this is what it's like starting a business. This is what it's like going out on something risky. This is what it's like trying to change the world. You speak and no one listens. You speak again and no one listens. You speak again and you don't have credibility. You speak again. You speak again, 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 again. Self-doubt creeps in. But there's, there's those select few people, like 50 Cent once said, the great 50 Cent, said, I had to tell myself I was the greatest rapper alive. I had to tell myself that when no one knew me. I didn't have a choice. He said it so frequently until he became, for a, literally like a decade, one of the most popular rap artists in the world. We stopped dancing to the beat of our own drum, guys. We're trying to dance to other people's drums. We're trying to fit in. We're trying to not have, not be too edgy, you know, not, we don't want to be criticized, you know. So we end up not dancing at all. We're waiting for someone else to dance so we can fit in. Do your dance today, today, now, right now. What are you going to create? Why don't you start right now? You want to create a YouTube channel. You want to get started on Instagram. You want to know the number one reason people don't get started on social media? I don't have a following. Who's going to watch my stuff? I'm doing this, uh, I'm doing this summit next Tuesday, um, the Lawyer Mastermind Summit. Um, we're we're going to have hundreds of people there. Uh, the, the link's growth.smbteam.com. I, I don't have it in my bio. I'll, I'll try to update it before I end forgot about it, but we have this big summit. I'm interviewing two people who have 500,000 Instagram followers, two people and they're lawyers and they're going to show how they did it at the summit. Mark my words, guys, this one lawyer literally got featured on Tosh.0 that I'm going to be interviewing at this thing. And he, and all he did was dance to the beat of his own drum on Instagram until other people started dancing. Think about every successful YouTuber, every successful Instagram person, every successful blogger, every successful person with a personal brand started from zero. They still had to create a YouTube account. They still had to create an Instagram account. We all are naked, as Steve Jobs once said. We all are naked. We all are starting from nothing, guys. Dance to the beat of your drum now. And I don't care if people don't listen for two years or 10 years. Okay, Steve Carell, the actor from The Office, Steve Carell, 40-year-old virgin, you know, The Office, and hit movies, right? Do you know that he was completely unnoticed until he was like, I don't know, 45 years old? Everyone forgets that. Now we just know Steve Carell. Steve Carell. 
It's always been that way. Nah, we all remember when we watched The Office and Four-Year-Old Virgin. We all know when we watched that movie, we remember, now that I'm bringing this up, oh crap, he came out of nowhere. No, he didn't come out of nowhere. No, 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 no. He, he kept dancing. Now he's an A-list actor. He kept dancing. And he probably stopped dancing hard for the 10 years before he got noticed. Then he probably amped up his dancing muscles right before he got that part in those two big show, the show and movie. He probably started dancing hard again. Do you think family members of his thought he was delusional? Of course. Of course they thought he was delusional. Uh, you know, Steve, he wants to be an actor. I, I have a friend. Does anybody know the song, uh, uh, Lauv, L-A-U-V? I like me better when I'm with you. That song? Okay. Ari left. Literally, I grew up a five-minute drive from this kid. He recorded my first two band albums. I could text him right now. This kid, Ari left, the, the singer in Lauv, this is like, he now has millions and millions of followers. And I never forget the day I was in his studio with him. And we were like identical twins when we were younger. I mean, we were just like identical human beings. And we would record all of our music at his, at his home studio. And I remember one day I was in there. This is back when I was, you know, all in on music. Um, this is a long time ago. I remember we were in his studio and he looked at me and he said, Bill, I just don't think I'm cut out to be a musician. I think I, I think I want to be, I think I should just be a producer. I'll never forget when he said that he wasn't the best singer. Okay. He'll be the first one to tell you that. Right. He was not the best singer. I remember that kid doing vocal exercises every freaking day i mean literally me and him would do vocal exercises for like two hours because we weren't natural singers i mean you should have seen in his phone he had like like 18 different notes in his phone on like 18 different two hour long vocal exercise thing diaphragm training like and then he's recording our album this one day and he's like, uh, I, I don't think I can do this, man. I, I'm not a natural singer. And then he had a flash moment. I I'll never forget this. He moved to New York. He went to college in New York, he moved away from home. And he had this moment where he started doing production for others. And he saw the people he was doing production for, music production. And one day he was doing production for someone and he just went, I don't want to do this. I want to be the, I want to be, I want to be the artist. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five. 
five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. So he told his parents, hey guys, I know I went to NYU for, you know, music tech and blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to be doing that now. I'm going to be moving to LA and I'm going all in on this band thing. So in the interim between when he was at NYU and went to LA, he made this album. One of those songs, he put his freaking all into this album after he had this epiphany. And I, I forget the name of the song. Uh, it's called The Other. The Other. I forget how it goes. But um, this song called The Other got noticed by a label. He got signed by a big label right before he moved out to L.A. And then he wrote the song, I Like Me Better When I'm With You. And it became a viral hit. Played in every gym. I mean, it freaking, I was in Puerto Rico. It played on the boat that I was at on Puerto Rico. I mean, it, everywhere in the world heard, I like me better when I'm with you. Now the guy's got millions of followers. And it's, it's because right when he stopped dancing, he said, I, I'm not going to stop dancing any longer. So what is that for you? What is that for you? What did you stop dancing to the beat of your own drum with your own self-trust, with your own self-belief? What, what is that for you? Start now. Now. This is Breakfast with Champions. Woo-wee! All right. We're going to pass this over to Hannah Eve. I'm super excited for this segment. I hope uh, you guys found value in this. I'm going to update uh, my link for this, uh, this summit thing. Uh, stay great, guys. And over to you, Hannah. Thanks, Bill. It was awesome, as always. Hi, guys. Good morning. What's going on? How are we? Trying to see who's here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm like running on pure adrenaline. Um, I kind of accidentally pulled an all-nighter because I was out late at dinner with some friends and then I came home and I did work and then I'm like, all right, if I go to sleep now, I'm going to end up not being awake for this. So I decided to just stay up all night. So I'm here currently pouring myself a cup of coffee that I just made and we're about to talk all about money. Today's all about money. Um, so if you are, are new to me or haven't been here the past couple Wednesday mornings, my name is Hannah. I am here somewhere towards the top because I got here early because I was awake and with a pink background. I own a marketing agency in downtown Chicago. I am 23 years old. Um, at my marketing agency, the current agency, we specialize in organic social media growth. So basically we run social media accounts, a lot of Instagram and TikTok accounts for business owners. And we also do a lot of coaching for women in business. So when we're talking about money, 
this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart and I promise I'm not going to make it, you know, completely women focused because I, I know that there's a ton of awesome men listening. Also, please excuse the background noise for two seconds because while I was pouring my cup of coffee, I spilled it all over my floor. So I'm cleaning that up. Um, anyway, but something that's really close to my heart is, is financial literacy, right? Because it's, it's come to my attention that for some reason, a lot more men have a better grasp on finances than women do, right? And, and of course, things are getting so much better. I was talking to my mom about this yesterday. Um, we had an awesome interview with Molly Dare. I spent the entire day yesterday with Molly Dare. It was so much fun. Um, you know, the, the glass ceiling definitely used to be so much lower, right? But there's still a lot of, of room to go. And, you know, I'll tell you a couple of examples. And I know that I grew up relatively... Um, uh, lucky and, and privileged in, in the sense of having someone to show me the way and encourage me to be financially independent. But I'll tell you the first year that I made six figures in college, I got a letter in the mail <laughs> from the government that I owed over $30,000 that I did not have because I spent it, right? So there's, there's such a, a lack of education surrounding finances and money, especially um, especially amongst women, and and ultimately, you have to understand money in order to be financially empowered and free, right? So I kind of want to talk about that a bit today. Um, I'll, I'll share a little bit of information, um, share some things that I hope are helpful, and then we can have. Um, uh, open conversation, both about you know why this is the case, and then also just how men and women listening can can be more financially literate and empowered, and um, you know all all of that. Because ultimately, you don't know what you don't know, right? I know that um, I think that Emily Lyons is here. Emily Lyons and I both have a, a story of getting um, an eviction notice, right? I had one, so I don't want to just sit here up on my soapbox. You know, I, I I've definitely come a long way in terms of being financially independent, and I have a, a long way to go as well, but I'm, I'm speaking um, from the, the things that I learned the hard way, the mistakes I made, and, and that's really that. Does, that. does that sound good, hopefully, to you guys? Okay. Um, all right. So with that said, um, if you're new to the room, hi, I'm Hannah. You're listening to Breakfast with Champions. You can find us here every single morning at 5 a.m. Eastern, and on Saturdays, we're here at 6. And it's just, it's just the place that you want to be, and that's really it. Hey, champions. Guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m., only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not going to regret it. See you there. Okay. So, basically... Um, I, I took some some notes down, all right? So that's what I'm going to be kind of referring to. So women have never felt more empowered than we do today. There are more female CEOs in the Fortune 500 than ever. Women are running for office in record numbers. More women are pursuing entrepreneurship. Women are earning more bachelor's degrees than men. More women uh, sorry, more working mothers are the primary or sole earners of their household. The list goes on. But unfortunately, there's still a very clear financial literacy gap um, amongst women. And and it's, it's, it's really time that we close that gap. So 
on average, you know, we all know about the gender wage gap, but let's actually look at what that means. And on average, a woman today earns between 80 to 82 cents for every dollar a man earns. And please keep in mind that for, um, you know, any any woman that's part of any minority, whether it's, you know, a woman of color or anything, that, that number goes down. So there's a larger gap. Um, and and that's $9,308 annually. And over a lifetime, that adds up to $456,000. All right. So on average, women are earning half a million dollars less over their, their lifetime, right? Um, ultimately, having financial freedom gives women options and allows us to not be shackled to any toxic situations. I cannot tell you growing up how many situations there were that I heard of or knew of where women desperately wanted to get out of relationships. They were married and unhappy and they couldn't because they weren't financially free, right? So when you're not independent or aware or when you're in a marriage and you're not even part of the, the conversations that are being had surrounding money or those decisions, you're putting yourself in incredibly, um, just, just in a huge disadvantage, right? Um, Okay, a little bit more. More than eighty percent of women taking part in a study couldn't pass a fire couldn't pass a retirement financial literacy quiz, and nearly twice as many of their male peers were able to pass. Also, women are not expected to reach pay equality for the next forty-three years. So there's obviously a very huge, you know, discrepancy here. We know that one in five women falls into poverty because of divorce. Three out of four divorced mothers don't receive full payment of child support. My mom was one. About one of every three women who own a home and have their children lose the house after a divorce. And this is really crazy. About a third of working women can't meet an unexpected $2,000 expense within 30 days. So before I you know, talk about a lot of things that, that I have learned the hard way and then that we can put into place both women and men to become more financially independent, I wanted to kind of open it up to a conversation about why is that the case? How have you guys experienced that? And then I'll start talking about, you know, how we can start to become more financially empowered, how we can negotiate more skills, actual tactics that you can implement, right? Whether it's savings or 401k, budgeting, just approaching money with a different mentality. But I just wanted to first clearly make sure that we're all on the same page. This is a very, very real issue here, but all the, the advice and tips will, of course, apply to both men and women. But um, give me a mic flash if you have something that you want to add. I'm just scrolling the stage. Oh my God. G Michelle, please. Hey there. Yeah, you know, something uh Oh no, you're breaking up. Is that for anyone else? Oh, I'm sorry. Can you hear me better? Oh now, now? you're good. Now you're good. Yeah, now you're good. Okay. So it's something that I found in, in working with women veteran um, entrepreneurs is we have a different social network. And everybody knows that your network is your net worth. And women, we have a tendency to talk about our children, decorating, you know, um, so many other things, but we don't necessarily talk business with our girlfriends. And I am making a concerted effort, whether it's with my 25 year old daughter, her friends, and anybody I talk to, to get women to talk about business, about investing, 
uh, about building a business, not just giving your services away. So this is GI God Inspired, always an honor, and I enjoy you. I, I love that. And, you know, again, I spent the entire day with Molly Dare yesterday um, interviewing me for her Spotlight series. And she also had my mom on as well. And my mom spoke about the importance of, of really starting, you know, everything that you want to instill in your children, starting young, whether it's something as simple as respect or something as complex as saving and investing. Right. So I, I completely agree. Um, it's funny. I'm someone who loves to talk about business constantly and, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm 23. I'm kind of dating now. And it's always a surprise to me how large of a surprise that is to so many guys, <laughs> you know? Um, and then I realized I'm like, Oh, I guess a lot of, not, not a lot of other girls like talking about that, but Scott, I, I see your mic flashing would love to hear, you know, whatever you have to say about this. Yeah, Hannah, hopefully you can hear me. I'm on the back roads of Virginia, mm -hmm. but but, but where did you learn about money? And, and mo I, would you agree with me that most people your age uh, are uh, prob probably do not have the uh, have not learned the, the value of money and how to go get money um, just like you have? Could, could you explain where that, you know, where, where that education and passion came from? Yeah. What an amazing question. Thank you for asking. So. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys know I grew up with a single mother. If you're, if you know me, you know that. Um, my dad stopped paying child support when I was nine months old. He, you know, he was not. Still to this day, owes my mom. You know, all of that. I'm sure it won't get paid, but that's neither here nor there. So, I just always knew that if my mom was like, you know, and this is no shade, a lot of other women, and it works great for them. You know, there's a ton of women who can be stay-at-home moms and not have their careers, and it works wonderfully, and that's that's amazing. And I'm not throwing shade. I just simply knew that if my mom had relied on my dad for that, who knows where I'd be today. And my mom always instilled in me that, you know, however successful, my, you know, God willing, one day I have a, a you know, um, a husband and a family and that whole thing, no matter how successful he may be, that I'm always financially independent and that I always have an out. She would, even when she taught me to drive, she would say, you know, Hannah, <laughs> you know, make sure you don't get boxed in, you know, with, if I was like surrounded by trucks, always having an out. And, and when you aren't independent, you don't have an out. And I can't, you know, my mom and I have a great relationship now, but a huge reason as to why we fought so much when I was in high school and college was because I was still kind of relying, well, not, I wasn't really relying on her in college, but in high school, that power struggle of knowing that I was still like financially bound to her, it was awful. And I hated it. I hated it. So, you know, that that was huge and and just wanting to be independent and not wanting to have to ask anyone for anything and then you know how did i learn even to i mean to an extent you know just from her and watching her save but um like the hard way like i said like when i got that letter from from the irs the first year that i made six figures in college and i had no idea i was in business school and i didn't know that i had to be setting aside a third of my income for taxes because i was a freelancer you know, and I teach a master class. You know how many other women have been freelancing for an extended period of time and they didn't realize that, that it's different than working a salary where they take that money out of your paycheck. There's just things like that that people don't realize. You can literally get your NBA and not know that you have to set aside about a third of your income 
or more than that, depending on how much money you make. If you, if you, or if you're a 1099, you know, so things like that. And then also just, you know, I, I don't, I don't work for a company. I own my own. And I, I knew that I needed, you know what I, you know what I can say? I, I knew that I didn't know everything and I hired a really good accountant. I hired a really good financial advisor and I wanted to learn from them. I didn't want them to just do it. I wanted them to teach me, right? I wanted to know, should I be an LLC or an S corp? How should I be investing? What should I be doing? You know, what are these decisions that I can make so that I can, so that I can, that I can know and that I can be more financially empowered. Education is, is empowerment, right? So I don't know, Scott, what do you, what do you think? That's, that's great. That's, thank you for sharing. I have a daughter that's about ready to go to college, James Madison University. You know, she has a, you know, has had a stable home. She has had a job since she was uh, 14. She uh, works at a uh, sports complex we, we part own. But what advice should you give me as a dad to teach her financial literacy? Um, any, and any advice you could share uh, based on having a daughter about ready to go to college? Oh yeah, totally. So, um, (laughs) one of the best things that I've done recently, you know, and if if you're willing to give her, I would give her some money to just like play around with in Robinhood. Honestly, I've learned so much about the stock market just by, you know, checking it every day. And, you know, and you can just imagine that whatever, you know, that that's money that you might just completely lose. That's not, you know, a majority of the investments, but actually having your a hand in it yourself rather than just handing over your savings or your investments to someone else. And of course, that's what I do with the majority of, of, you know, my money. But I do like having some and, you know, kind of playing around with it and, and buying things and selling. And um, Mark Cuban said that as well, that, that one of the best things he did um, was just in terms of raising his his children to be financially literate it was just that just give them you know a, just a little bit of money to play around with themselves in Robinhood or an app like that to see how it works you know to see what compound in- interest can look like and and why they should start saving now versus saving later um, you know I would encourage her to to continue to work during college and to really instill saving even if it's it doesn't even matter how much but you know, if you can't manage $1,000, you can't manage $10,000, you can't manage a million, and you have to be putting money away no matter how small your paycheck is. Of course, that's easier said than done um, if, if you're making a more comfortable living. And if your back's up against a wall and you can't even pay rent, that's a lot harder. But if she's in college, you know, assuming that she's going to be relatively okay, making sure that she's saving and investing and, and making wise decisions and saving up for specific things she wants, um, you know, that's that's really it. Um, I hope, I hope that was helpful. That's great advice. I had not thought about that. Um, part of it, my parents paid for my brother and I, my brother's a doctor and I I have a master's degree and they paid for our school. And part of it was, you know, the agreement to pay for ours was we needed to pay for our children's, um, and, you know, provide them transportation while they're in college. So, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm not spoiling my children. My 14 year old son has two jobs. My daughter's worked at a nursing home and I've shared this before. Um, year, you know, she, she worked in nursing home when she was, you know, a couple of years ago, but during COVID, um, they had uh, right when COVID started in this nursing home, COVID ran rapid and my wife immediately called me, which my wife's a wonderful human being. We've been married for 30 years. 
or dated or married for over 30 years. And my wife said, uh, oh, we, we, we got to get Morgan home. You know, there's COVID. There's COVID there. And I said, well, hold on. Let's hold on a second. Let's let's ask Morgan what she wants to do. Let's not make a decision for our daughter. Well, she's, you know, 14, 15, 15, I think. And I said, well, hold on a minute. Let's ask her. Well, no, I'm not allowing her. She doesn't have to work. And I said, wait, let's talk to her. So we talked to our daughter, you know, and went over what, you know, the pros and cons. And I just looked at her and I said, Morgan, you know, what do you want to do? She said, Daddy, they take precautions and I feel safe. So I want to go to work. You know, there was people that chose not to go to work, period. And my daughter at 15 chose to go to work. So that, you know, I was 16, I guess, at that time. But anyway, that really made me proud. And some parents would say, you're crazy. Why did you send your daughter to where they had cases of COVID? But, you know, she's healthy and we took all the precautions. So, um, no, but thanks for sharing. I'm just curious. You know, as a parent, we always wonder, are we doing a good job? You know, and obviously you've been successful and done it independently. And I think part of hearing your story, part of it was because you didn't have that dad there, you wanted to prove, you wanted to prove something. Um, and you had to, you did it out of necessity. And sometimes when children are provided things, they get spoiled and they don't go and hustle. Like if you, if you went, if you have a child that's competing against you, that's completely nurtured, you're going to beat them almost every time because you're hungrier than them. And I see it coaching youth athletics. You know, the children that are the toughest children on the field are the children that either has one parent, typically no parents, or their grandmama raised them. Because that grandmama will pull that switch off that tree and spank that rear end when a lot of parents won't these days. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, so no, I'm, I'm just curious because I know you've been very successful. And thank you for sharing this point. Well, you know, and, and I won't lie, and I want to make sure I'm clear about this. I did not pay for my school. You know, I my mom did. Um, my, my grandparent, it was a combination and, you know, that was never something I had to worry about. And I was lucky, very lucky in that sense. Um, so I can really relate to you in that situation. And, um, you know, it's a hard balance, right? Because especially when you have the resources to, you know, give, give your child basically what, what they want in that moment. Um, you know, I can tell you my freshman year, my mom gave me a, I can tell you exactly what she did, and I think it was right. She said, Hannah, you know, I I understand that you're literally getting to campus right now. You're probably not going to be able to have a job right away. Let's sit down and let's talk about what an actual budget is. I'm going to give you an allowance, and I'm going to give it to you on the first of the month, like a paycheck. And you're going to have to figure out how to make that work, right? And it wasn't big. It was like a couple hundred bucks that I had to use for, you know, I had my meal plan at campus, so I I had to distribute that amongst dinners with friends when we went out, Ubers, you know, whatever I wanted. If I wanted to buy clothes, that was it. Um, and that wasn't enough for me, right? I was using that for the basic stuff and quickly I'm like, oh shit, like, no, I want this. Oh oh my God, I can't swear here. I'm so sorry, Glenn, I'm so sorry. Oh no, don't fire me. Ah, okay, I'm so sorry, guys. It's too early. All right, I take it back. You're good, Hannah, keep going. Ah! I almost just swore again. Hold on, I'm trying Oh my gosh, we didn't even hear it. What do you mean, Hannah? You did what? (laughs) Oh, you said like apples and oranges. Okay, so tell us more. So you okay, wanted so, more so, money. So, <laughs> oh, let's no. Go, let's go. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm like, okay, like this isn't enough. Like I, I want more. I want to be able to do these things. And I don't like feeling like I have a certain amount of fixed money every month and that's it. 
So I got creative. That's when I started running Instagram accounts for businesses on campus. I started tutoring, helping people with their papers, and I started hustling. So, you know, I think that that, that was a pretty wise thing that my mom did. I would, I would actually encourage you to do that with your daughter. You know, say, all right, let's sit down and talk about what you're actually – what do you need? You know, what's what's a realistic budget? This isn't going to be enough to buy, you know, a new Chanel bag every month. But, you know, what do you actually need to in order, in order in order to like, you know, enjoy your life on campus and anything beyond that? You know, if you want to go on spring break with your friends, um, you know, you, you can work and save up for that. Or maybe a portion of that could be a birthday present. That's what I did one year with my mom and the rest. You know, I so, so things like that. But I think it's a really interesting question. And, and and I really applaud you for that because I know that, you know, a lot of parents, they just give in to their kids and they just give them everything they want. And it really, it's ultimately to their detriment, you know. Hey, Hannah, can you share the, um... oh, sorry, Scott, I didn't see you talking there. It was quiet. Oh, Alpha, go ahead. I was just agreeing with what Hannah said, brother. You, you go right ahead. And Hannah, thank you. Thank you for sharing this morning. Appreciate it. One, the last thing I would say, one of the most impactful things and I actually saw it in a in a, a college class. They showed me show the difference that compound the compounded interesting makes um, over time. So you know, for example, if she starts in saving a hundred dollars a month now versus waiting ten years from now, or you know how that number changes with the amount and with time. Show her how that will affect the amount of money she has saved when she's you know fifty. When I saw that model, that was really like an oh my God moment for me. Hannah, I want to add something onto that, uh, similar to what you're saying too. I think some something that's really cool my friend um, does with her daughter is every time she puts away a certain amount in her savings, she'll match it. Um, so she kind of learns um, whether I could I could spend it or invest it in my account, but she can't remove it. So I thought that was a cool uh, way to teach her, and then also always you know teach your kids to um, to give back because if you if you don't give back with every ten dollar you have, you probably won't give back with every hundred thousand when you have a million. Um, and and energy is just come and go. I feel like a lot of times when we're just so focused on um, saving, you just end up teaching them how to be more and more greedy versus knowing that you know money come and go and the more you give um out into the world the more you receive as well and you also scott you have so much that you can teach her so i would just share it all you know you especially negotiation and, and all of those things don't hold back like they're don't wait to teach your kids anything about business and money there's no there's no point because even if they don't have a job in, in high school it'll still help them somehow you know yeah that's a great point and we do that we uh we run our family as a business we actually have an escort for our, our family with all the businesses we own outside the auto industry it's all wrapped up it's an escort and my wife works for me that works excuse me we work together and then uh, our children actually uh, work for us too but um, no, that's a great point. And we have family meetings and et cetera. But, you know, always curious to, you know, as a parent, we all just kind of question. I don't know if anybody else can relate with this, but you always question and think, am I doing a good job? And I guess when you ask your daughter, does she want to go work at a you know, nursing home during COVID? And she says, yes. To me, that was a big, big deal to me. And I was pretty proud. And both my children are worked and my daughter's going to work uh, in college also at our sports complex. So no, thank you for sharing. It's been a, 
been very informative for me. Thank you, Alpha. I didn't mean to cut you off earlier, but thank you, Hannah. And Jay Leslie, great to hear your voice. Big old group group. Love you. The fact that you're even asking, am I doing a good job? You're doing an amazing job. I promise. I mean, I didn't need I didn't need you to ask that question for me to know, but <laughs> you're doing amazing. Um, yeah, Alpha, go ahead. Hey, so Hannah, earlier you said something very significant that one in college you had six figures. The key word in this sentence was had because when the bill came, the money was gone. Can you tell the New York story and then talk about how I'd. to make sure we protect against that happening? I was on the phone with Alpha <laughs> earlier this morning talking about just this segment and money and um, I don't even know how we got on this topic, but like. How did we? I don't. How do we even get to talking about that? There, I, what's the point of this story? I'll tell it. But what's the point of it? What, how am I? What? How am I going to bring it home? Okay, so you have to protect your assets because you're going to do a lot of work to get it. But you can lose. I would say this: everybody has the potential to lose it, but most people will know what this feels like. You can lose what somebody makes in a year in one night if you're not. Oh careful. yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, I I was in New York. <laughs> I was in New York like a couple weeks ago and um this was a this was an immature decision. I I wanted to get some friends into a club and they said that I needed to, <laughs> that we had we had reached capacity and they asked me to hand over um my my credit card and my ID if I wanted more people and I won't say how much but um, I woke up with a bill that was um, many thousands of dollars. That that was that story, you know. But sometimes those 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 careless mistakes, whether it's in business or in life, they teach you. And now I'm here. I'm like, oh my god, what an idiot, you know. Um, so that's what Alpha and I were talking about. So we all make mistakes and have crazy stories now and then. But really, I mean, money comes and goes, and you know, we all still. So, make so how are you going to go about protecting the asset? Because that's what I. It was fifteen thousand. I'm gonna call the real number out so you know. And fifteen thousand in one night, and that's many things. But the key here is like the next day. What did you do to reset your mind around? Like, well, I just spent fifteen thousand dollars. How do I protect the assets that I'm working for? You have a tremendous opportunity to reinvent your dealership today, right now, and to not take advantage of it would mean that everything that you just went through and are going through was in vain. How about instead we build something new like Kevin did in Virginia who was up 37% in April or Mike in Wyoming who was up 90% in April or Bob in Kentucky who broke a 60 year record this past January. All of these dealers joined the 800% club and together we continue to win. Listen, I've done this before. I've helped build a monster dealership from the inside out and now I want to build one with you. You and your team? deserve it. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. Well, <laughs> I'd kind of gone to, <laughs> I knew it was going to be an expensive weekend, so I was okay. Um, you know, ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, I, I've gotten myself in a pretty good spot financially and I don't have too many nights like that, um, but you know what? What we can do to protect the assets—that's a—that's a really great, great question. Um, a number of things. So, first of all, okay, let's talk about about money and making money. It's—I I have a couple of things to say. First of all, 
it's getting out of this fixed mindset that the way that you're making money now is the way that it has to be. Um, I was at dinner last night with a woman and she is like a, a social media man, a coordinator for a business and they have her running like 10 plus accounts. And I know she's on salary, right? And I can only imagine she's making some type of, you know, entry level something, whatever. And I, I'm here thinking, oh my God, like if that was me, you know, with my marketing agency, those 10 clients, that would bring in multiple, that, that would just be, you know, more seven figures a year, right? Um, so it, it's getting out of this mindset that the way that you're doing something now or what, what, whatever role you're in, that, that is your, that's your cap, that's your peak, right? We talk about hard work. No one works as hard as a gardener. It's not about how hard you work or how many hours you can put in. So, so that's the first step is breaking out of your limiting beliefs, whether it's the way that you grew up watching your parents work or the way that you've been working, breaking out of that. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of that has to do with, with the corporate world as well. Um, also negotiating, right? Men need to negotiate more, but 20% um, of women never negotiate at all. Literally, 20% of women don't negotiate at all. Um, and because of that, a woman who opts not to negotiate her starting salary upon graduation will forego an average of $7,000 the first year, but that accumulates and she'll ultimately lose between $650,000 and a million dollars over the course of her career. So, you know, by not negotiating, whether you're, what? Oh, okay. Um, got it. If you're not negotiating, whether you're a woman or you're a man and you're simply getting an offer letter and you're accepting it, you're leaving money on the table, right? So, so first of all, asking for more, that's the first step, all right? Um, and, and you know, we can talk about negotiating another day and that might be a really great conversation. Um, and that can, that can look like a lot of different things, right? That can look like asking for a specific amount. That can look like packaging your services or your offering. That can look like offering multiple options. That can look like redoing your, your profile, or sorry, your, um, I haven't used one of those in a while, your portfolio or your resume or your case studies to really highlight what you have to do, spending time on your LinkedIn, um, you know, shopping around for offers so that you can, you know, kind of use that to your advantage um, and, and, you know, negotiate against that when you're looking for a job. If you've been in a position for a long amount of time and and you've been and you realize that the work that you're doing now is actually a lot more than the actual job description that you took on, coming to your employer and saying, um, you know, I was looking at, at the at the scope of work that 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 was stated when I took this position and you know it's so amazing how the company's grown and I'm doing a lot more and I just wanted to touch base and make sure that my salary is reflecting that, right? And then and then negotiating for negotiating for a raise from there. Um, but just simply asking for more. And and again, men do this men do this as well. And in terms of protecting your assets, you know, um I I really especially if you're a freelancer, I urge you to get a, a, an accountant to help you with your taxes. Um, I, I really, really, really urge you. They can help you make decisions that will help save you money. Same goes for a financial advisor. There are so many incredible financial advisors that um, will simply take a, a small percentage of your assets. They're not taking an upfront fee. So, you know, just simply as their money, as your money grows, they're going to take a small percentage. They can help you make sure that you're making um, conservative decisions with your money, that it will grow at a fixed rate for a large 
large period of time. Um, in this, all, everything that I'm saying, it, please just put an exclamation mark next to it if you own your own business, right? If you don't have someone out there that's creating your 401k, you need to make sure that you're doing that, um, that you're making your money work for you, right? Um, money is a dollar isn't just a dollar right you can invest it you can contribute to your 401k which lowers your taxable income you can make smarter investments and and it's it's crazy now right like everyone's talking about dogecoin and robin hood and then so many of these kids first of all they're losing money because they're investing into crazy risky stocks and cryptos and then they're getting huge 1099s from robin hood because of their of their short term gains and then they don't know about that so you know, making sure that you, for me, I learn a tremendous amount from my accountant and my financial advisor as well, because they're, they're well-vetted people. And, and I, I ask them to explain things to me. And I think that's really important. Um, so that, you know, do I need to know so that I can do my taxes? No, but I want to know what's going on. And I think that's really important. Um, and, and I would definitely recommend working with people that, you know, you can get referred to through a family friend or someone that you like, know, and trust. This isn't just something you want to, you know, randomly Google search. Um, but yeah, I mean, the main, the main things are making sure that your taxes are handled, making sure that you have a retirement fund. You know, for me, that's a 401k, making sure that you're making wise investments. You know, if you want to play around with cryptos and, and random stocks, that's fine. But I really believe that a majority of your money should be in, you know, whatever it is, whether it's just something that's conservative or the S and P 500, whatever it is. And I'm not a financial advisor, of course, <laughs> definitely far from it. Um, but just, just making good decisions and, and planning for your future. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I'm all for saving and having fun and, and it's great that as I'm able to make more, I'm able to spend more and that's super awesome. And, you know, I spoke about a, a scarcity versus abundance mindset a few weeks ago, and I think that really applies to money as well, but making wise decisions is, is a huge, huge, huge piece of it. And above all else, delegating, um, delegating and viewing your time as as you know a sense of currency like this is going to sound so ridiculous but some of the best things that i do every week and this might sound so superficial but it's not and i <laughs> i used to have shame around saying this but now i don't is is <laughs> getting my hair done once a week and having a housekeeper come because yes. you know when i sit there and i get my blowout first of all that's saving me time and i sit there and i respond to emails and i tell myself all right if i can sit here and 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 respond to emails and make meetings happen, I know that I will be making a lot more back than that $50 blowout, right? So little things like that, especially as women, but you know, a lot of the men too, there's this like belief that you have to do it all. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm like choking on nothing. Um, there's this belief that you have to do it all, especially as women, right? You have to do the business and clean and cook and all those things. Like, no, having my housekeeper come, I don't, she's better than me. She does a better job. And when she's here, I'm working, you know, so little things like that. And, and, and for you, maybe that looks different. Maybe that's, maybe that's, you know, paying for a trainer because it's more efficient with your time and it's worth it to you. And, 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 you know, whatever, everyone's thing is different and maybe it's hiring an assistant, even though you've been on the fence or, you know, paying for this software that will help you streamline your services. So also, you know, taking those decisions, investing in yourself so that you can make the most out of your time and, and also just optimize your life for happiness. So. I don't know. I'll get off my soapbox. Subi, is that is that you who just DM'd me? Oh, did she leave? It's Gloria. Do you have a second? 
Yeah. I just have to tell you that your part that you just talked about, about getting help and people in your home and work. I'm so excited that you brought that up. I was talking to a, a new entrepreneur yesterday and she said, Gloria, tell me when do I need help? I said, when you want to grow. That's when you hire help. You hire help when you're ready to grow, whether it's to do your hair, whether it's to clean your house, whether it's to be your virtual assistant, whatever it is. I am so tired of women thinking that they're super women and wanting super results and not asking for help. So I'm so glad you brought that up. That was such a big give to so many people, whether you're a woman or a man, but to be able to know that you afford help before you can afford help if you want to grow. And that every time you bring someone else into your camp, you have to be quick to fire them if they're not the right ones. And I don't mean that negatively. I mean, you just have to be, it's a part of the negotiation. You know, if, are you here to serve me? And if you're will, willing to serve me well, then you're willing to stay. But a lot of people forget the fact that you hire when you're ready to grow. And if you can't afford it now, set a time when you can afford it so that you know that you will work all day, all, like you pulled an all-nighter. You pull an all-nighter, you pull in the morning, but you bring in the right people to do for you so you can expand your time and expand your mind and expand your money. So I, I just wanted to tell you that. That was a great point. Hey, Hannah. Is that Sue? Yeah, girl. Yay! <laughs> so you got me at, you know, I get the dry bar is open again in Boston, and I'm like, I go once a week for the reasons that you mm -hmm. said. Um, and my bro, like, I, it's so great. But, it's the Jewish I, hair. It's also the Jewish <laughs> hair. I need it. I need it. Yeah. I, I have great hair, but I just don't have the time. Like it takes me 20 minutes and 20 minutes for me is a lot of time where I can be pouring into my community, but I'm like next level. I hired a chef and I, I you know, the, the more successful my business gets, the more I think about what can I do to stay in the fucking zone and give and serve and, empower and teach and so doing the things that bring me the most joy every day um, means do, like cutting out the things that make me crazy like as much as you know I want to eat healthy food every day but the whole job around shopping or ordering or getting and cleaning is is a lot of time and so I'd rather spend it working out or doing or meeting up with people I want to be with so I just wanted to really echo that and even when I started like let's dial it back like eight years ago, even when I started, I always had an intern or someone supporting the time for money aspect of growing and scaling a business because you scale when you let go of the things that just take up time. And, you know, the automation is everything, obviously, but a lot of people aren't even in the place of understanding what software to, to use to automate. And, and we are constantly investing in, in more software. So I just wanted to join, uh, chime in with that. And then if there's anything else you want to ask me, I'm here for it. I, you know, <clears throat> oh my God, <clears throat> I'm choking on coffee. I love that. And I think it's actually something that's, that's like not really spoken enough about is like the, these random like mundane aspects of life, you know, the, the, the food and the cleaning and the, and the hair and, you know, and, and all of that stuff that, and I think there's a lot of people in the audience that are, you know, listening, they're like, oh my God, how do they do it all? It's because we're not doing it all, right? At a certain point, it's like, okay, why am I cleaning my apartment when I have a million other things to do and I'm not even good at it? Like, I don't even enjoy it. You know, I know there are some people that like, that's their meditative thing. It is not my thing, let me tell you. And, and, and it's realizing that it's okay. 
you know, and that it's not shallow and it's not vain and there doesn't need to be shame. And it's, you're allowed to hire, um, you're allowed to hire help in, in aspects of your personal life and your home, just as much as you're allowed to hire help in, in different aspects of your business. And I think that, you know, I, I, I hope that that's really helpful actually for, for the audience to hear today. But, um, you know, Sue, I, I would love to hear what you would have to say earlier. I think before you jumped in, I was just speaking about how women are, are overall just less financially literate than men for whatever reason. What like advice would you have to, to uh, yeah, you know, you don't say, I would love to hear what advice you would have to, to women. They're like, okay, yes, that's true. That's me. What would you tell them to do to begin to educate and empower themselves in, in terms of financial literacy? Wow. Okay. That's a whole nother topic. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we have two financial investors and again, like you, I, we, we work with people that are experts in their space, just like everything else. I think in life, you, you're good at what you do and you source, you, you, you hire or work with those who have skills that you don't. My husband is extremely great with, um, understanding the stock market and doing really well investing in stock, but that's not where he wants to spend his time. Um, and, and so we have two different financial investors that one's more aggressive than the other and they advise us accordingly and, and we meet with them quarterly. And, um, again, it's just like being informed with how you want to like it, whether or not like uh, with this, I think more than anything, it depends on where you are in your life, how aggressive you want to be with your investments. And obviously when you're younger, you can be a little bit more aggressive than, um, as you're like midlife and older, um, with taking like risk investments. And so we're at a place where, um, not to get too personal, but we're at a place where the money that we spend all year, it, it, we actually make it in the interest from our investments. So, uh, we have a very sound, uh, financial portfolio that comes from both my husband and I working really hard doing what we love. And, we are extremely fortunate with how we can choose to not only live our life, but be very philanthropic. Like we have a, we have a fund for philanthropy to, to give to those in need. And I think that that just comes from um, being really in tune with our values and just kind of the exchange of money and what it can do, not only to our life, but to those that we want to impact. And I know that wasn't a direct answer, um, but I'm an entrepreneur. My husband is like science, math, data driven. So <laughs> we're on two different sides of the spectrum and I think it serves our family well. I, I, I love that, you know, and, um, no, any way that this conversation goes is, um, is, is great. And I was talking about that as well. And, um, earlier Scott was asking, you know, he's a college age daughter. He's like, what advice would you give? I said, you know, just give her some money to play around with, even just in Robin hood. And, you know, you can expect that none of it will come back and that's fine. But, you know, really getting your hand in it and learning and seeing how things change. Um, and, and, not, and, you know, of course, when you're, when you're older and, and that's what I, you know, I hand most of my money off as well. And I say, I trust you do whatever you want with it. But actually looking at it and, and watching and see how the market changes and seeing how compounded interest works. You know, I think that's so important. And, and what so many women um, for a long time have just, you know, had their husbands do and they don't pay any attention to it. So um, I, I love what you said and, and how the two of you work together and, and, and what you're doing in, in terms of philanthropy and investing. That's, that's, that's amazing. And it sounds like, I mean, it's obviously Hi, Hannah, this is Kimberly King. Can I 
speak yeah. into this conversation? Great. Nice to see you. Um, I'm keenly interested in this conversation, but I also have a kinship with you as I listen to you share your story. Uh, we made our money very different ways, but we started our journey um, early in life as you did. Um, I started my first company when I was 21 and it was solar. Uh, we didn't have digital pathways yet. So we, it was a brick and mortar business and a construction company, an unlikely path. And entrepreneurship was my shot, um, more than I understood at the time. And by 22 and 23, I made more money in one month than my father made in one year. And Scott Simons talked about that earlier, about when is the moment when that happened, because it's life-changing for you and for your family, if you've never seen that happen in your generations. And it was an incredible ride. And I grew quickly because I don't know a lot or didn't know a lot about money but I knew a lot about hard work and I knew a lot about team building and rising together and growing and scaling. Apparently that comes naturally to me, but money and how it works and what to do with it was not something I understood. And I delegated all of that. And I would tell people, if you don't know what to do uh, to bring in the right people, but where our stories also, they're different, but same is that there came a time where the whole industry collapsed. And I tried to keep my business open anyway, but hundreds of us um, experienced a downturn. What I didn't know is that the person I had delegated my financial um, uh, process to, the bookkeeping and everything else, he reverted the money for the taxes to pay for other things my taxes and everybody else. So one day I got a letter like you got, only it was closer to $50,000. And I'm 24 and I'm devastated because I don't even understand. I never looked at it. It never occurred to me. And so I went from a meteoric rise to a crash. And uh, so I want to um, appreciate the story. I want to tell people that what happened for me is that not only did I survive that, it was hard, and I found a way to pay that money back, build my second company, but ironically, the second company I chose was in the financial services business. I made it my mission not only to build another company and build back better, but to make it my mission to teach others about money for the rest of my life and have helped with financial education and investment for tens of thousands of people. And now I insist, especially that women understand how to do their own money, how to understand how money works for them, how to understand how money works in your company. And that even when you delegate, make sure you understand how it works and you stay the CEO of your life and of your company. And I'm grateful actually for that lesson, uh, Hannah. I'm glad that I learned it early because I believe that was my Harvard education. I believe that's how come I went on to, to generate $4 billion in revenue with American Express and other big companies. So embrace the good and the bad of the journey, 
but heed the lessons that <laughs> Christmas present and Christmas past is telling you in this room today, that we can take control of our destiny through entrepreneurship, and we can take control of our money and our decisions as well. So this conversation is super important and inspiring, and it's really interesting to hear you conjure all that up for me too today, honey. Thank you for letting me share. Oh, thank you so much. And yeah, you know, last week I was speaking about um, rejection, and although this isn't really rejection, it's still, you know, it made me think of how these these things that in the moment it's like, oh my God, why is this happening? This is awful. You look back and you realize how much you learned and and how much that that was able to offer you, right? So, I, I love that. Um, I know that. Donna, is Donna still here? Yeah, um, Donna, I'd love to hear you before you have to run, talk about you know how you got your your money mindset right and and switched that abundant, positive, money literate mindset. I'd, I'd love to hear anything you have to say about that. Good morning. Good morning, Hannah. Yes, it's not even six a.m. here in LA, and I'm walking over to my workout. It's uh, it's my daily ritual, but I will tell you. Um, listening to this conversation is so amazing. I love talking about money, actually. And it used to be something I used to be so scared to talk about. It gave me such anxiety. Um, you know, I grew up here in Los Angeles uh, with grandparents, Holocaust survivors, and very, very, very money anxious people. So my whole life was surrounded by people who were scared to spend money in any you know, possible way. It was all about save, 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 save. And so what that was for me was it, it put a, a massive anxiety for me in terms of spending money. And my whole life, you know, up until I was mid thirties was stressed out about money, but I had money. I had money in my savings account, but when I had to pay for something for a house or whatever, everything not for a house, but for like a fixing something in my house or an emergency or a vacation, everything went on credit cards and I wouldn't pay them off. So all of a sudden I had this debt, even though I had money and savings and it was this really messed up situation. And then I started to realize that I was also not making a lot of money in those times because I was so anxious about money. I mean, it would keep me up at night and I had money and savings. I n never wanted to spend it. I held on to it like like a kid, uh, like a mom, I, I hold on to my six-year-old, you know, when there's speeding cars, like tight, so tight. And so what happened was when I was about 37 years old and I first was presented, which by the way is my lucky number, 37, I see it everywhere. But I'm, was, I was presented with this first opportunity to like purchase or, or invest in a mastermind and a coach. It was $10,000. I had never invested in a business coach in my life. So $10,000 to me, even though, I, like I said, I had the money, it kept me up at night. I was so anxious to spend it. I literally like lost sleep over it, woke up in like a hot sweat. Like it was the craziest experience. And it was money that I actually physically had. But to spend so much money on someone like myself felt so um, foreign. And I did it. I finally just like went with it. I had to get almost coached by my husband that it was okay to do it. And when I finally opened up my wallet and I spent some money on myself in a not vain way, but in a way to kind of 
come back into my business because I needed to grow my business and learn more about how to run a business, everything changed. And I say this because I think so many of us, especially if you're here on Clubhouse, you're probably driven, you're probably ambitious, you're probably, you know, an entrepreneur or trying to be or, or wanting to, you know, or whatever in that stage. And money is a part of the game. And so opening my wallet and finally letting that flow and letting that money go out, it's crazy what happened to me. I invested $10,000 in this program and my launch from that program gained me $35,000. And ever since then, when I invest in myself, when I invest in my business, it comes right back at me. And so I have become quite the opposite now in terms of my money. I am very, very generous with money. I am generous in, in investing in myself. I don't make you know, stupid purchases or stupid investments. I do my research, but I am not scared. I don't balk when a coach tells me how much they charge. I, I think it's respectful and wonderful. I am very, very interested in growing and, and, and changing my business so I can invest in myself happily. I have an, an office. I don't need an office. I can work from home, but I invested in an office so that I have a place that is like, this is where I spend my money. I put money. This is another little trick that I do. I put money in different areas in my home and in different areas in my car and in little spots in different purses and not a lot of money, $5, $10, $20, but I see money a lot. And it changed my whole idea of there is no more money. The money's not going to come in. That that kind of uh, mindset that my grandparents taught me and it turned it into the money is there. It's always going to be there. It's always going to come to me. I am always going to be around money because now I physically see money all the time because of my little $5, $10 bills. And I feel this feeling of abundance. And I think that that's actually really, really important because money mindset is one of the biggest things that I think hold back entrepreneurs. I know this because I coach a lot of early entrepreneurs and their biggest complaint or their biggest fear about working with me or with anyone is I don't have the money. I'm not making money yet. How can I invest money? And I don't believe in going deep into your credit cards or whatever. But the question is, why don't you have that money? And, and are you really, really open to receiving it and to spending it? And so there's a lot of stuff that we can go through. I actually have an app that my friend um, told me about. It's the secret, like the actual secret, you know, book, but it's the secret to making money. And it's a really fun app. It's like $4. And what you do is it gives you kind of like fake money to play around with. And you spend money, you spend this like play money. And it's an awesome practice of just getting used to putting money out there, receiving, putting, and, and you'll see that it will kind of change everything. So I just love sharing that story because I think so many people are stuck in that place of get the money, hold on to it tight, and don't spend it. And I think that that's actually doing it a disservice. But hope that made sense, Hannah. I love you. Back to you. Aw, that was amazing. Oh, my God. There was, there was so much in there. Wow. Um, and that really honestly inspired me to invest. I need to invest in myself more than I do, to be honest, in terms of, like, coaching and stuff. Um, I, I know that Barbara had something to share. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Morning. 
you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. Well, I loved what Donna said, and I'm going to keep it brief because we're down to the wire, and I know Brielle is talking next, and I'm a huge fan, and Hannah, you're always doing a great job in this hour, um, and I am also a descendant of Holocaust survivors, and um, so I loved your share on that, Donna, um, and I feel that as a a descendant of Holocaust survivors, actually, that is what I feel I draw upon that kind of energy from my ancestors um, when it comes to getting through anything. And um, I saw, I hosted a Holocaust survivor event several years ago, and my biggest takeaway, and it's actually one of the events that I'll probably at the end of my life say was one of my top three most impactful things that I did on this earth. Um, we celebrated Holocaust survivors in our community and the most powerful, well, there were so many, I can't even, there were too many powerful takeaways, but one of them in line with talking about um, money and wealth, so many of these people, all of them showed up with zero, less than zero, broken hearts, broken families, broken everything, showed up here in the United States with absolutely nothing. And the commonality between everybody that we, sh we, celebrated that night was they all rebuilt themselves and had done so well. Not only financially did they rebuild themselves, but their connection to their families and, you know, their survivorship was so strong. You know, they didn't, you know, it's, they always say your first million is your hardest million, but they took what they knew, what was inside them, what they had built in their, their homeland. And they, all they had was the, the skills and the mindset. All they had was the mindset when they got here, not a penny to their name and they rebuilt it. So, um, I love that share this morning and it is so important that we extrapolate that out into building wealth and building happiness and success and connectedness and all the things, because it all starts with our mind and what we can do and the power of it. And when we invite abundance, like Donna said, into our life and not fear, but more abundance and opportunity and faith, um, the more you appreciate that, what you appreciate appreciates. And, um, you know, just that growth mindset and that um, understanding that it too, that that'll come into you. Uh, so powerful. So anyway, I just wanted to share that. Donna, thanks for joining us here in Breakfast with Champions. I was excited to see you on the stage this morning. Back to you, Hannah. I just want to thank you all for such an amazing conversation this morning. Um, oh God, I'm yawning. Oh no. Um, about, about money and financial abundance and financial freedom and, and everything good. Um, you guys know that I'm always down to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, you can catch me here every single Wednesday from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern. But you can catch all of us here every single weekday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. on Saturdays. I love Breakfast with Champions so much. Um, so some main takeaways of today, just to recap, what did we talk about? We talked about, you know, just acknowledging that that women tend to have less financial literacy than than men, which can lead to, you know, toxic situations and, and just not not great things. And for that reason, I really encourage everyone, especially the women listening, to really, you know, get a hold of your finances, make sure that you are planning for the future, make sure that you're always negotiating um, for, for a higher set salary, whether it's a new position or you've been there for a while, um, always ask for what you're worth, always ask for more. And, and really just, you know, always know that there's more out there, really. 
don't just accept whatever situation you're in or whatever, you know, whatever you were given. Just know that there's more out there and you can claim it. Um, I know that Brielle <laughs> can talk for days about abundance and, and manifesting, which, which is pretty aligned with what we're talking about. Um, already. So I want to thank you guys so much for, for being here with me for the past hour. I'll see you back here next week. Um, my DMs are always open. If you want to say hi, if you have any questions for me, you can ask. I'd love to talk to you guys. I don't have a bot. So if it takes me a little while to get back to you, just know that, that it's me and that's why it takes some time. Um, but I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day and your week. And with that, I'm passing it over to the beautiful Brielle. Good morning, Hannah. Wow, what a powerful segment. But, you know, we can expect absolutely <laughs> nothing less ever from you. So thank you for always being consistent and always just having such great content. Guys, when Glenn Lundy came up with a concept and an idea to create the largest breakfast show on the planet here on Clubhouse, a couple things happened, right? One, lives changed. And when we say lives change, I don't mean by the content, you know, obviously Hannah brings immense amounts of value. Bill brings immense amounts of value. The content definitely is changing our lives. But when you look around at the amount of people who were not morning people, right, but are here or who were not on social media, right, that are not avid social people on other apps, but they're here or even people that are not whatever you say you are now, right? Because of Breakfast with Champions, that's what I mean by lives are changed, right? Pause for a second and think of a way that Breakfast with Champions has changed your life, all right? Let's take a minute, let's grab that thing. I'm gonna do a room reset and we're gonna start our segment. All right, guys, welcome to Breakfast with Champions. Today we have special guests. We have a money edition. As you know, Glenn Lundy brought the fire this morning and all week as he talks about how to make more money. So we are so excited that you here, that you're here. If you don't know what you've stumbled in upon, Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club, is a club with 74,000 followers now and we are here every single day Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time 6 a.m. to noon on Saturdays and on Sundays we are here for Club 111 at 111 Eastern Standard Time we have our worship room but today getting back to today we're talking about money always on my segment I feel like I'm talking about money and if you have that one thing that I asked you a few minutes ago um, from Breakfast with Champions that really changed and catapulted your life. I want you to remember it because at the end of this segment, I'm going to ask you what that thing is and we're going to talk about it. Right? I'm super honored, guys, to have been here from the beginning right? and to have met many of you in person. But I can also say that just like you, my life changed with Breakfast with Champions. Not only did I get up earlier, not only Am I super laser focused in just a different direction that I've ever been before? But I also make more money, right? And why am I saying this? Why am I saying all this during a segment where, like I said, I traditionally talk about money and everyone else has been talking about money? Why am I talking about the impact of Breakfast with Champions? But whether you want to acknowledge it or not, guys, what Glenn's been talking about is real, right? Money changes your life. And if money changes your life and breakfast with champions changes your life, 
then we're going to reel it back in. Elf, are you here? Okay. Well, oh, yeah, I'm, here. Here I'm, here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. And so he's going to join me on this segment and we're going to talk about it. But guys, Breakfast with Champions changed all of our lives. And it didn't just change our habits, right? The changing of our habits then changes our financial status. So what Alva and I are going to go through today is that the number one principle to making more money and increasing your income and ultimately changing your life, I think it's a little different than what a lot of people think it is, right? I would dare say that there really is only one thing, only one thing that can drastically change the amount of money that comes in. And that one thing, guys, is mentorship, right? That one thing is mentorship. And Elsa and I are kind of going to go through mentorship, but we're also going to teach you how to leverage that one thing here with Breakfast with Champions. For me, I really believe that the key to these segments, the key to this room, and the key to you making more money all stems from proximity, right? I talk about it everywhere I go. I talk about it all the time on this app. But the reality of it is, is you become like the five people that you spend the most time with. That's just the reality, right? Every book you read, every successful person, every millionaire, every billionaire, every person with money, if that's what you quantify as success, power, if that's what you quantify as success, an amazing family life, an amazing love life, they are going to tell you that they have those things because they surrounded themselves with people. They put themselves in proximity with, for the knowledge to grow. We are all come into this world the exact same way, a blank canvas. And the only thing that determines who we become are the things that we absorb, right? The things that we decide to write or let other people write on our canvas. If we all come in as complete blank slates, literally birthed out of the womb, with absolutely nothing, except obviously our, our inherent DNA. The things that we see, the things that we hear, immediately start to affect who we become. And this situation, and your situation with money, is not any different. We literally absorb content consistently. Every single part of today will be based on, according to Glenn's theory of the morning five, how you started your morning, right? What you put into your brain this morning is ultimately going to dictate the, the, play, the playlist, I would say, the playlist of the music of your day, right? So just like you have a Spotify playlist or an iTunes playlist, and you take a song and you play it, and then all, all day, it repeats in your head over and over, whether you like it or not, even when you don't want to. Normally the last song that you had playing is a song or the song that you played most is the song that plays in your brain, right? Let's get that, let's loop it back. The last song that you had playing or the song that you play most is the song that you play in your brain, right? So guys, how many people have ever seen The Lion King? Let me know if, you, if you've seen The Lion King. Can you flash your mics? Yeah, just one. All right, so I'm going to oh, go with the song and let me know <laughs> if you know it, right? Akuna Matata. What's the next line? What a it means no phrase. worries. <laughs> okay, there you go. What a wonderful phrase. It means no worries. What's after that? 
for the rest of your day. Okay, awesome. All right, all right. How about this? Somewhere over the rainbow. What's next? Bluebirds fly. Bye. There you go. Either one, right? All right. So here, I'm going to give you guys another song. What about? Um, okay, I'm going to take it all the way back to like a Disney movie. How about? Um, I can show you the world. Okay. See now I'm going somewhere with this. Most of us are over 20 years old. Most of us haven't seen Aladdin in 10 years. That song isn't even in the new Aladdin in those same words. So we all saw the old version of Aladdin at seven, eight, nine, and we can still sing the song. Why is that? Because we heard it over and over. I'm gonna loop it back. The song that you played last or a song that's replayed over and over is a song that you can constantly bring back to your memory. So how many things have mentors or parents or people written on the canvas of your life that you don't even know you can recall 30 years later, 20 years later, a whole sentence. I can show you the world shining, shimmering brightly. Okay, that affects our outlook on life. Whether we want to understand it or believe it or not, akuna matata, what a wonderful, it means no worries, right? That affects our outlook on life. These are things that we're replaying back and back and back into the subconscious of our mind from childhood that we can still dig up. So how many scripts about money, about life, about relationships, whether it's a song, a movie, or just something that your parents taught you at four or five that you did not know you were listening to, are you believing in? Are, it's actually ingrained for you to pull up and then all of a sudden you do something and you're not sure why, but it's because you don't realize that that song, right? And I'm using a song as an analogy, but that, that script was, was programmed into you. So the reason I say this, and I'm bringing it all the way back to Breakfast with Champions, is it's because we have an obligation as adults now to rewrite our scripts. We have an obligation to surround ourselves with books and mentors and people that can rewrite the script and the canvas of our life, that can literally redraw on us, or we redraw on ourselves, but looping it back in, it is the song that is played the most or the last song heard that will ultimately impact what you are singing as you go throughout your day today, right? What you are singing as you go throughout your life, you don't even realize it because it, it was playing in the background. You're like, why am I singing that? Oh, I guess maybe it was on when I was in the shower. How do I know the, the words to Aladdin 30 years later, right? Why can I picture them on a literal magic carpet as I sing this song? How many scripts? were given to us by mentors that we are either rejected or embraced and became who, who we've ultimately become. I wanna give you guys a quote by uh, Oprah Winfrey. And that quote says, a mentor is someone who allows you to see the hope inside yourself. Now that's a different quote, that's different than what we traditionally think as mentors. Mentors are people that teach us things or pour into us, but Oprah, Oprah says that a mentor is someone that allows you to see the hope inside yourself. Someone that opens up something inside of you and then allows you to see yourself for who you are. And ultimately, although they are teaching you, 
you are growing based on what they've given you, right? A mentor is someone that allows you to truly see yourself, to see who you want to become, who you'd like to be. And so again, tying it back in to Breakfast with Champions in this room, as we spend this time, how many people are you being mentored by? How many people are you following up with? How many scripts are you actually absorbing so that you can change the trajectory of your life and ultimately your finances. When we talk about the one principle that will change your life, that will change your money, that will ultimately, as I always say, change your bloodline, I dare say that the most powerful thing that you can do for yourself today and any other day is to make sure that you are aligning yourself with the mentors, with the people, with the music, that is going to change the trajectory of your life. I think that Scott and Hannah was such a powerful example today of mentorship. Scott came on, as he always does, with something profound. And he said, hey, Hannah, at 20 years old, I have, 24, Hannah, I have a 20-year-old who's going to college. How can I do a great job as a parent? Hannah, what can you give me as mentorship to then change the trajectory of my bloodline, right? How many times do we bypass, belittle, or ignore someone based on what we find to be their qualifications? Oh, Hannah's 24. Oh, this, oh, that. Oh, they haven't made enough money. Scott has clearly made more money than Hannah. He's clearly older than Hannah, but yet there is still this component where he needs to then say, hey, Hannah, where from your perspective, from where you are in life, from what you see, what can I do differently? Right? Sometimes when we think of mentorship, we're always looking at it from a two, two angles. We're reaching up to ask someone something, right? Or gosh, I have to go down and mentor someone. But what if it's both ways? What if it is, hey, I get to communicate with people on all sides and learn from people all across the table, right? Hannah, I hope you don't mind that I just use you as an example. All right, so I hope she's asleep. Alpha, are you here? I am. Awesome. So great. Right. <laughs> I love yeah, what you said about, about the, uh, the, the Lion King because there's many mentors in there. And, yes. you know, it starts with Mufasa mentoring him, telling him what was the king and what they shouldn't do telling him what the real responsibilities of a king is. But when he got lost because he ran away, you know, as Scar told him, his new mentors became Timon and Pumbaa, who lived this carefree life. And it's no worries, man. We just chill, bro. And then he dodged his responsibilities. And when Nala finds him, right, she tries to bring him back. But remember the night when Rafiki came to him and he said, correction, I know your father. And he, he says, follow Rafiki, I know the way. And he looked at the water. He says, man, all I see is myself. He says, look harder. And when he really began to look and the clouds broke, Mufasa told him, remember who you are. Not who you were, not who you will be. Remember who you are. And it was in that moment he realized he still was the mentorship of his father from the beginning, even though he was misaligned with the wrong mentors. And I wanted to point that out because you can have wrong mentors too. They could be teaching you how to chill, how to hang back, 
uh, bro, you too intense, man. You need to chill out a little bit. I remember the first mentor I had that wasn't in front of me was Tony Robbins when I hurt my leg. When I heard him say some of the things he said, I realized nobody in my life ever spoke like this. But that Awakening Giant Within cassette tape starts off by saying, life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. Boom. I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> come on. How and many the, of us started with that tape though? Yes. I mean, mine the, wasn't a tape. You're a little older than me also, but yes. <laughs> so the next quote says, deep within man dwells those slumbering powers, powers that would astonish him that he never dreamed of possessing forces that would revolutionize his life if aroused and put into action. A rising sweat, Martin. Now, here's the thing, Bree. Every day, everywhere I went, I stopped listening to the radio. I didn't hear anything but Awakening the Giant Within for 40 something days straight, nonstop, on repeat. It just came in wherever it was at when I turned up the car. After a while, like you said, it started being like my favorite song. I was finishing Tony's words. I was quoting things he was saying. I was just talking along with it. And it didn't even occur to me until one day I realized I was saying the whole tape, like all the way through. Now, that part meant that subconsciously I was starting to think as Tony thinks. I stopped thinking as I would think. In the part, he says, at least twice a day, you must rehearse being the person who has achieved the dreams that you desire in the magnificent obsession, right? And I was doing it. I was like, uh, how would he walk? How would he talk? How would he breathe? But those pretendings turned into real moments in real places, and it was blowing my mind. You ever had that happen, Brie? Yes. Like, what about what you just said? When you said the real those pretendings turned into right but the thing is is that it's not pretendings when you have a blank slate when you go into a situation deciding that you don't have the answers then it's what laura always talks about literally channeling that greatness understanding that by setting yourself up for success you will then become successful let me give you an example as a child we know nothing. We look up and we see our parents. They begin to speak. So we learn a language by listening to them talk. We literally learn a language by hearing other, by immersion, by hearing other people speak. We learn to walk by watching other people walk. We learn to write through instruction. So what is the difference between that and what you're saying? If you go into it with a blank slate and just make a decision, hey, I don't know how to live my life, right? But that, then again, that's ego, right? When you make a decision, what I've been doing does not work. It has not gotten me to where I want to be. So I am going to make a conscious decision like a child to completely erase every script that I have and just model myself after someone or someone's who have and have done what I want to do, right? It wasn't necessarily that pretendings became real. It was the humility of deciding that, hey, this tape, in your case, <laughs> um, is it, it has all the information that I want on it. I mean, it's the same. I stopped listening to music just like you and pop those you know, CDs in and that is, that's all, all that I would listen to consistently over and over. And like you said, until 
even when he said it, I know all the words, but that's the thing, right? Because it's literally programmed and etched my mind. I, I We were talking the other day when we were speaking, you said something and it triggered something in me that made me think, when was the first time that I made a decision that this is a life that I wanted? And I remember reading Ralph Waldo Emerson's, I'm sorry, yeah, Ralph Waldo Emerson's Self-Reliance. And I remember doing that and we were speaking and I was like, you know, let me go back and look at that and see what, what I learned from that, that like catapulted me on this crazy path. And as I was reading it, I was like, wow, this scripted me, this scripted my life, you know, and I didn't realize it. And so it's the same when we look at those songs that we know, or the books that we've read, or the people that we spent the most time with we're going to see reflections of who we are. Go for it, Alpha. Yeah, definitely. You know, Brie, I'm holding the, um, the original copy of Awakening the Giant Within in my hand right now, and the cover slipping off, and Tony has the, the big teeth and all that stuff on the front from 1990-something. He definitely has big teeth. And what's tripping me out is that when I touched this book, I started almost tearing up. Like, the energy of my soul is in this book. Like, I... This this thing became me. I became this giant in this book. And I was like, what is the giant? I want to know what is the giant, how to wake it up. And so many things that this man said in this book changed every, not just a little bit, everything. I mean, every single aspect of my life changed reading this one book. And it's so raggedy. that I mean, I'm sitting here like the pages look like somebody put it in the fire. The edges are burned. The corners are turned. It looks like a coloring book almost from all the highlighters. But what I found when I picked it up, uh, when I started to read even one passage, I see things here that I didn't see before because there's things in me that I was not aware of. Before. Yes. And no matter how many times, I mean, I, I'm just flipping it as I speak and I feel it like I feel it like lightning almost shooting through me like, man, you remember when you were 23? And your leg was broke. I was talking about this on Saturday. Yeah, your muscle was torn and you said you would walk on fire. You walked on that part. You remember that little torn up green notebook that you keep with you to remind you that you wrote this, that album, this thing, everything. You wrote this. And through winding tunnels, some kind of way you met with success unexpectedly on a regular day. It wasn't on some fancy day. It was on the most ordinary days that those dreams came true. And you're like, what the heck? And here's the thing. So many of them came true within like three days, like things I wrote and years went by and I kept moving. But the whole borrowing greatness thing, right? He said, act as if. So I remember going in and they said, hey, today we have Yolanda Adams. She's going to be recording and you're going to be the main person and there's going to be a packed house that's sold out. So I'm looking at thousands and thousands of people and I'm controlling the sound and it's Yolanda Adams. No pressure, right? TV on, live. Everything's on you. She's singing. Her battery dies in her microphone. I have no idea who put that battery in there. Doesn't matter. It's on me. I asked myself what the version of me that I am today would do. Think about that. I'm 23 back there. I say, what would he do? The one who did it, that mastered this, that, that really got it. So I did everything I thought that person would do, who I am today back there. I borrowed greatness from today. So I looked at the board. I found an open channel. I look back and forth between the EQs. I changed everything to match. I reached for another microphone. I assigned it to the thing. 
I put it in my jacket pocket. I walk across the stage with my back to the audience. I say to her, how are we going to switch it? She looks at me. She's real tall. She's about the same height as me, a little bit taller. She looks down and she says, like, she just gives me a nod and lets you know she got it. So I walk back by, I wave at one of the girls that waved at me. I don't know what happened there. I sat down and I gave her the signal. And then we switched so smooth. No one saw the microphone. No one saw the batteries. And she said, now give God a praise. And the place went poof. And it just people crying and running around and falling out and all this stuff. And I was just sitting there with my heart was beating out my chest. I was like, holy crap. Wherever I'm going to be in the future is a bad man. Because I just was him right now. And I can't wait to be this guy. And it didn't occur to me. Like, yeah, you just were him right now. Right here, right now. So I, I want to share that. Like, your future self can probably mentor you right now. What do you think about that, Brielle? That is so good. I feel like I do that all the time. People ask me, they're like, Brielle, you know, what, what is it? What, what is it that keeps you going from, I don't want to say, I mean, dare I say from success to success, right? But what is it that, that allows you the momentum to keep moving at such a speed without, it's not without hiccups, right? But I also understand that, I mean, for sure, from success to success. And so the thing is, is that I do, I operate all the time as my future self. I operate all the time understanding who I am and not necessarily who I am. I, I never, ever, ever, um, almost to a detriment, because I realized it the other day, I don't operate in today at this exact moment, June 23rd at 6 a.m. Like I don't, 6.25 in the morning, I, I don't operate as that. I operate in the vein of, hey, this is where I will be. I operate in the vein of my future self, is going to want me to make this decision today so that I can arrive as her. So what what do I have to do at this moment to make sure that she gets to be who she is, right? That she will arrive the way that I've seen her, right? What do I what do I have to do and how would she operate? Because I know that she exists. I am she and I've already seen her. And I think that that's where I know we're talking about mentorship, but that's where meditation comes in, right? Understanding that you are her. I am who I will be in 80 years. My soul does not shift or change. It is the circumstances in which I'm allowing my life to become that will ultimately determine, right, the comfort level of this physical body in those years, but my soul will still be the same. So if my soul is still the same and I will not change and I have not changed, right? Then what do I need to do to ensure that my physical body and my lineage is comfortable? I love that. So Brie, yes. I'm gonna I'm ask you a really dope question, right? Okay, I asked, let's this, I asked John Lee this question and his answer was Steve Jobs and Bruce Lee and Elon Musk. So, you know, I think Igor Ritchie talks about his invisible council, how he would have this table in his mind where he would sit down and ask specific people throughout history, living or dead, the answers to questions like Thomas Edison or, or, or Jesus Christ even. And the answers would come and he would just write them down, like whatever he thought they would say. 
who would be in your invisible council as mentors if you can go anywhere in time, front or back? Okay, in my invisible council, how many people? How many people are in? How many people are in that council? Let's just do three for now, and I'll give you more. Okay. Awesome. So three people in my invisible council that I talk to every single day. Um, okay, it's a fictional character. Okay, well, it's the real character. I talk to Kerry Washington every single day, right? And not just Scandal, not Olivia Pope, Kerry Washington, not like the one that went crazy, but the white hat, Kerry Washington, who has evolved in characters throughout her career, right? We've seen this evolution, but also understanding when I talk about Kerry Washington and I talk about Scandal, I understand that as a African-American, um, I'm ac actually Afro-Latino, I don't know how much people know about me, but um, as, a, as a black woman, I understand that there's always someone who has to go first, that has to be a first to do something. Um, a lot of times in society as of today, a lot of firsts haven't happened yet. And so Kerry Washington was the first to really break a lot of stereotypes and boundaries in the media and entertainment field. And so I talk to her every single day. Who's another person in my council? Um, I'm gonna go right back to Tony Robbins. Um, it's just by default because I spent so much time with him and his content. He is in my council. Um, my friends call him Papa Tony uh, or dad. I, I know that's not a real thing, but they literally, they're like, well, what would Papa Tony do? So basically I brought all my friends into my lunacy and they just participate with me. Whenever I have trouble, uh, we ask Papa Tony for advice. And um, my third in my council of what would they do? <sighs> okay, so this is the crazy part, Alpha, because I'm talking to you in real time and who I really do talk to in my head every single day. Um, you know, even though I have a personal relationship with him and I can call him and talk to him in real life, um, I talk to Grant a lot in my head now, um, probably now more on Clubhouse than I ever did since Clubhouse than I ever did before, um, all the time. And I think that that's because, um, you know, I do have a, a, a semi, you know, personal relationship with him. And so I, I talk to him a lot and I, well, I just say, what would he do all the time? What would he do? What would he do in this situation? So that's so funny that you say that about your counsel. Um, because those are my in real life people that I, I talk to every day. Now, obviously there's my ancestors and some other things because I'm a little woo woo, but um, yeah, those are my three, you go. Okay, right before I tell you my three, I wanna share a short vision I had one night, I think I was just dreaming. So I was walking up to this path and I saw a little boy by a tree and I said, hey, are you okay? And he turned and looked at me and he looked very familiar and he was crying and I sat down, I said, what's wrong? He said, you left me. I said, I left you? And then I, I looked around the tree and it was me. And I was six years old. And he said, you left me. And I said, how did I leave you? He said, you, you, you started, you forgot, you forgot what we were dreaming. I dreamed of where you are now. You, you get to live it, but you forgot about me. And he said, I wanna show you someone. And he took me to this really old man. And this really old man was me. And he was like 90. And he was holding a baby and he says, take the child. And as he's handing me the baby, it was me as a baby. He says, he got me here. You got me here. He got you here. And I looked around, and there was every version of me in a circle. 
And they said, now teach us. Hey, champions. Guess what? The Breakfast with Champions podcast airs live every single day, 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. only on the Clubhouse app. So make sure to download Clubhouse and go check out Breakfast with Champions. You're not going to regret it. See you there. I said, what can I teach you? You're in the future and you're in the past. He says, well, you're in the center of all of us. You're all of us. Now teach us. I said, won't you teach me? He says, you've already been all of them. And one day we will only be who we are because of what you're doing right now. You're in the center. Now teach us. I said, yes, sir. And then he sat down on the ground. And they all sat down in a circle. And I just turned. And I was still holding the baby because he couldn't sit on his own. And I realized I was all these men. And yet all of them was just me. And then they all gathered up. They, they walked up towards me, put their hand on me in a circle. And then they just gathered right back into me. And then I woke up. And I realized I was every last version of myself right now. And I can ask any version of myself, whether that was the child who dreamed of California or the old man holding the baby, saying he was holding the future and the past at the same time, the beginning and the end at the same time, and saying, you are us by yourself. So with that level of thinking right there, my three people would be Kobe Bryant, because I want to know, like, he had the courage to be disliked because he had a mission. He may have not known it was 41 years to do the whole thing, but he knew he needed to be Kobe Bryant in spite of if people liked him or not. The second person would be Da Vinci. Da Vinci's mind was living in our time. He was writing for us way back there. He wasn't even writing for the people in front of him, but he had the presence of mind to write it backwards in Latin so the wrong people couldn't read it and use it against the world. So now that we see the things that he was talking about, when I saw his notebooks, I didn't feel so bad about the many notebooks around me written in things that I don't think the average person would even understand what I just wrote. It's like it's written in hieroglyphics or something. I know exactly what it means because I have to dumb it down so far beyond what I actually wrote just to express it because I don't want to die Da Vinci not knowing I was Da Vinci right now. And the last one's pretty hard. I wrote down Steve Jobs and Thanos. And here's why I chose Thanos. Thanos, everybody says he's a villain. There are no villains. There's just people with objectives. If you don't understand what their objective is, you might think they're a villain. He wanted to rebalance everything. It wasn't good people. It wasn't bad. He could have been one of the people who disappeared when the stone snapped his own self. But he said something so significant when, when Thor put the, the knife in his chest. He said, you should have gone for the head. He understood that his, his mission was resolute. Even with his daughter, she said, you never loved anything in his life. He said, sorry, little one. And he cried a tear and he dropped it for the soul stone. He was that resolute. He's like, I'm probably not going to even make it, but the universe will be rebalanced. And I asked myself when I saw that, I was like, is there anything at all in your life that you're that resolute about? That, that he didn't ask for the Avengers to try to stop him. He went from planet to planet. It didn't matter what space. He even did goofy little funny things when he tried to stop him. He didn't even try to hurt him. He would turn things into bubbles and stuff. He just was trying to accomplish his mission. And they asked, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if you succeed? He said, I'm going to wake up on a more balanced universe. And that's the end of the movie, him sitting on a porch with the river, the creek, and the sun's coming up. That's it. There was no celebration. There was no, ha-ha, I'm the, the man of the universe. There was no evil plot. 
He was just trying to rebalance the structure of everything. It didn't matter who, what, when, or where. He just wanted to do what he came to do. I was like, if I could be Thanos about something, who could even stand between you and that? Because most people are not resolute. They make resolutions and then they get rid of them because it's outside the comfort zone, which Laura would say is the danger zone. What do you think about that, Bria? I mean, here's what I got from that. Like, do you think that it's interesting that I picked three people that were alive and that you picked three people that were dead, right? Or three three that were dead in a fictional character. But um, what here's here's what I think is interesting is um, it it's sourcing our energy, right? I have a real um, strong belief system that says that our um, the energy, right, is not destroyed, right? It's just transferred from one person to the next. So I believe that ideas are frequency. What I mean by that is that an idea, it comes to you, but it's because you're tapped into a frequency or a wavelength. So the idea is actually on this frequency. And so when we tap into this frequency or this wavelength, right, we're able to receive that download. And I talk about that a lot in different rooms, um, like that whole matrix example of I'm standing on the rooftop. That's always the example I use, right? I'm standing on the rooftop in the matrix and I'm saying, hey, I need a download for the helicopter. Teach me how to fly a helicopter. So I have this unbelievable belief that these ideas are on a frequency and we're, they're attainable. We can grab them. And so for me, when we're talking about mentorship, I try to tap in and I feel like I've really aligned with people that are here in the present doing great things. And I try to find the frequency of greatness that is that they're tapped into, right? I try to read the books and, and figure out kind of what, where they're tapped in because I, I believe, and I'm so open for the dialogue that that currency of energy is transferable, right? That it's just a frequency that people are tapped in on. And when you tap in, that's where proximity comes in. Right when you tap into that frequency, when you're in proximity, when you're on tune with that wavelength, God is not a respecter of persons. Right, energy is simply exchanged; it's never destroyed. And so, I really try to tap in where it exists currently, and I think it's really powerful that you're tapping in from an ancestral place of what has occurred and how do I recreate it. What do you think about that? Well. That is beautiful because the, the consciousness that ran the body that was known as Kobe Bryant, it was transmuting itself into the game of basketball and other things all the while. And now the information, the ones and zeros live on even if his body does not. He is in the Black Mamba idea in the minds of people. He's in the Mamba mentality book if you go back and read his words it's in the energy of that book i just like myself from whatever time it was that i was in, engulfed and immersed in that book as soon as i touched that book i felt it radiating through my whole being because my mind is truly in tune with the infinite if you have uh, tuning forks in this room and one was tuned to see and another one over there was tuned to see they don't have to touch each other but that one over there would start vibrating and, and not the rest of them so some of the conversation we're having right now, somebody in this room is like, what are they even talking about? But other people are like, yes, and clapping their hands in, in the background, but we can't see it. So like, oh, yes, I know what you're talking about. Yes. So even though Da Vinci doesn't live now, 
I'd rather be Da Vinci now than Da Vinci then. Because when you're Da yes. Vinci in the moment in which you live, you're in a battle for your existence almost because you're actually living 500 years, a thousand years ahead of time. And a lot of times you're quiet because you're like, if I say this right now, they're going to think this is crazy. But they thought Henry Ford was crazy. They thought Thomas Edison was crazy. Hey, cheers to the crazy ones, right? Even Steve Jobs said that in 1984. Here's to the crazy ones. Because the ones crazy enough to think they can change the world are usually the ones that do. They show Dr. King. Boy, you got to be crazy to be Dr. King in 1960-something. He's a hero now. But back then, that would get you bit by a German shepherd and holds down and jailed up being Dr. King then. See, I'm Martin Luther's King dream today. I'm his dream. Brielle's his dream. Speaking right here today. But he said, I may not get there with you, but I've seen the mountaintop. Okay, every person we're naming, even your mentors that are alive today, they're seeing you there. They see your not even potential. They see the reality of the full-blown version of you. But you've been living as yourself so long that you're living in a narrative of you. And like Breezy said, if you were on the blank page of you, I'll share this last thing. I'll go back to you, Brielle. In Bob Proctor's seminar called Born Rich, there's a point where there's a blank page in your workbook. And he just casually says, go ahead and label that. And he starts moving around like he's doing something. And he says, now, now let me ask you, and I think it was like page 37. He said, how many of you put page 38? And some hands went up. He said, why'd you do that? It seemed obvious that that's what you do. But he said, the page was blank. And you could have put anything you wanted in that spot. But you assume you had to put the next number, right? And I'm paraphrasing. But how many days did you wake up trying to continue the narrative of you instead of saying, this page is blank? And I can be all the way me right now. There's no ladder. There's no elevator. There's no body who's going to knight me myself. I just have to actualize the whole thing and don't divide the pie. I just need to be my whole I am. And I'm already there. Because by the time you figure it out, it'll be 2003, whatever crazy year out there. And you'll be looking back like, that girl was a genius. That guy was a genius. They were changing the world. But in your own time, they'll say, she thinks she knows too much. He thinks he's this and that. You say, you think that because you know it's true. Back to you, Brielle. I love it. Yes. I mean, think about that. How many ideas or how many times have you come up with something and everyone's like, um, that's crazy. And then five years later, you see it. And that's what I mean when I was talking about frequency and ideas. Five years later, you see it in real life and someone else has done it. And you think to yourself, gosh, I had that idea. Right. I was tuned in on that frequency and I didn't take it. So it just bypassed and transmitted right past me and someone else grabbed it. Right. Because I was afraid of what other people thought or I thought they would think I was crazy or I didn't think I had the resources. But in real life, it's that you just didn't have the right mentorship or the right proximity or the right people around you to tell you to go for it, to take it, to take the risk, to shoot the shot. Right. Right. You, you remember this story like Napoleon Hill said he gave a talk and right after the talk, some old man walked up to him. He said, hey, hold, hold on. So he went in his shirt and he put out this really raggedy piece of paper. He says, I had these ideas 20, 25 years ago. And he said, yeah, I didn't make any of this up. I got it from Henry Ford, Thomas Edison. But but did you do it? Well, no. Said, well, there you go. That's why you're getting the autograph and you got a raggedy sheet of paper. 
how many that's the thing right there, Brielle. Like I had these ideas 25 years ago. Okay, anytime you get a great idea, believe that that consciousness touched millions of minds. Millions. Right. Somebody just actually did it. Now, Brielle, the other day, John Lee had a room. He was the only one on the stage. 410 people in the room and he stops and says, hey, my friend Alpha's here. And and I think uh, Emily Lyons was there and like three other people in this followed by speaker. Clearly, if the only speaker was John Lee, then John Lee's the only person that follows. So there's five out of 410 that he follows. And he says, hey, I follow these people. These are great people. You should follow these people. So just for giggles, I click on my name. I see wherever the number's at and I turn it off. Five minutes later, I, I click on it. It's the same number plus two. I laughed my head off. I said, those 400 people are going to fail because they didn't do a free thing. It does not change my life. It would change their life, right? And this man on stage that has 400 people in the room by himself just said, do this. This is right before he came in with the top 10. Yeah. You came in at it. It's like, you're not going to do any of these top tens if you can't push a free button because the rest of the stuff he's saying is not free. Okay, well, let's talk about it. Oh, let's talk about it. Okay. All right. And then we have to give it to the audience because we only have like 10 minutes left of our segment. Okay. So let's talk about what we talked about in that that moment. So we're sitting in John Lee's room, guys. And this is a different segment. I know this is very different than my traditional segments. This is traditionally how conversations with myself and Alpha Six Co. So we're just having dialogue. Um, I'm excited to hear your feedback about the fact that we're having dialogue uh, during the segment uh, in a few minutes because it is very different than the course of the traditional conversation. So that being said, so Alpha, let's tell everyone what happened as well. John Lee, so someone came up and they asked. So now there's 800 people in the room. So the room grew from four to eight, maybe 900. So John Lee was the only speaker. He brought a few of us up. Now there's 900 people in the room. There's, let's say five or six, seven people on stage. And he says, someone asked, I think Kimberly King, I think, I'm pretty sure she was in that room too. There was, there's a couple of people that were in that room that day. So someone asked, hey, John, how did you make your first million dollars? And he said, I'm so glad you asked. I made it in X, Y, and Z. So he begins to discuss how he made his first million. The room was called, it was entitled Self-Made Millionaires. So he starts to talk about how he made his first million dollars. And he said, I didn't have any money. And a friend of mine taught me how to make my first million. My friend's name is on Clubhouse and his name is X, Y, and Z. Immediately. Right. Immediately. He, he, he just said, oh yeah, his name is da 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 in passing in conversation and continues the conversation to tell us all how he made his first million. Immediately I went and I searched for the person and I followed him. Alpha sends me a text. He's like, Hey, look. And I was like, yeah, bro, I'm already following him. But Alpha did the same. We went and followed the guy that John Lee just said, taught him how to make his first million. I looked at the follower account only six other people so from when john lee mentioned this man's name to the end of that room only six people went and followed the person john lee right ip owner multi multi tens of hundreds of millionaire 
John Lee just said, hey, this man taught me everything I know. Only six other people went and followed this person. And I wrote a tweet about it. And what I said to Alpha was the key to success, in my opinion, is doing what people are doing and not only what they tell you to do. Now, the difference is, obviously, John was like, hey, go follow my friend Alpha. And people didn't participate. But they also, he also said, hey, this man made me a millionaire. He didn't say go follow this guy, look him up, read this book, do this. You have to look for context clues, right? So when I was saying at the beginning of this room that I hope in this segment you'll get keys and nuggets on how to utilize Breakfast with Champion to your benefit, how to look for, how to open your eyes and look for ways to be mentored without being mentored right? It's those nuggets. It's listening to the context clues. John didn't tell us, hey, go follow the man who mentored me into my first out of multi-millions. But if you were listening and you're hungry, you're going to go follow him. Elsa didn't say, hey, this book changed my life. Go buy it. But if you were listening, I hope if you have not read the book that he's been gushing about um, by Tony Robbins, I hope that you have tapped in because multiple of us have talked about it during Breakfast with Champions. I agree that it changed my life. I hope that by now, if you have not picked up principles, right, that you've picked up principles. Ben Stock talks about it. I talk about it. Alpha just talked about it today. We talk about that book all the time. Context clues. These aren't things we're telling you to go do. But if you look at our lives and you say, hey, I could use a little more of that in my life that I hope you're picking up through mentorship, because remember, mentors aren't always what we expect them to be. They're people, as Oprah Winfrey said, that just people that make you better, right? So if mentorship is simply that, I hope that you're listening to the context clues of the things that we're saying. So Alpha, Bill, here's, a, here's another thing, right? Because I get a lot of messages. A lot of people, send me messages like hey what was that thing that person just said what was that thing they just said and i realized i'm like hey you're here right now and this is important stuff you should have a piece of paper and pen with you and write this stuff down because i truly and she doesn't and we don't have time to answer hundreds of messages and keep writing the same answer that we just said nobody told us to write down this man's name his name wasn't even a common name like at all and my, i had my, to spell iPhone, it twice <laughs> Thank you. The iPhone changed his name multiple times. Yes. I was determined I'm going to find him. And I knew it was him when I saw it because I saw John Lee. Me too. That's how I page. knew. I typed it in the See? clubhouse. I didn't go to Google. I typed it in the clubhouse. And I couldn't figure out the spelling because it's um, it's not a traditional uh, North American name. So I could not figure out the spelling. And so I just kept playing with it. And then I found someone that John Lee followed. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's the one. Boom. Yeah. Yep. And it I was the it. same one I sent to her, the profile. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, take it from the heart when I say this. If I say awaken the giant within, don't don't say I'm going to get that next. You just told me that you're not going to do anything. Go. If you didn't just let me give you a perfect example. Last week, I'm sitting in John's, John Asaraf's living room, and he says, my private clients that pay me six figures, seven figures for private coaching, 
I always make them read this book and we can't talk until you read this book. If you haven't read this book, you don't even have a real business. And then he's holding the book up. And by the time he finishes his sentence, I turn my phone around and Amazon Prime says it's on the way. When the book arrives the next day, surround wrap, I send John a picture on text. And then he says, you know, that's not for amateurs, that's for pros. I said, good, the level's been set, let's go. And then I tell my friends, go get this book. So somebody's gonna say, what's the name of the book? The book is called- Yes, and then you tell your friends, guys, proximity, right? Proximity. You're not blessed with the proximity for your own growth. You're blessed with the proximity because you are called to lead others. You wouldn't be here if your life didn't have the meaning that it has, right? Just like we're here so that we can guide others. You're now downloaded with the right information so that you can transform lives as well. Alpha, we have to open up to the audience. Let's open it up. Okay, let's rock it out. I just want to give one more book. David Spizak said a book that changed his life is called See You at the Top by Zig Ziglar. That red book is sitting here in front of me because the minute he said it, it was bought. Rob Moore said a book that changed his life is called Three Simple Steps. And the mentor that would be his mentor asked him a question about that book two days later. He knew the answer because he bought the book that led him to a $45,000 deal on real estate that led him to millions of dollars. And that man knew if he had not bought that book, he was not going to mentor him because he couldn't follow simple instructions. With that being said, Bree, take it away. I love it. All right. Flash your mics if you have. I don't have a general question. So if you have something to say or contribute to this segment, flash your mics. Hey, Sarah. Great to see you. Coach Isaac, take it away. Hey, I love this conversation. And when you talk about mentors and when you talk about uh, your, uh, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting, the Napoleon Hill thing, the, the, the council, the invisible council. So not even invisible for me, but I joined a mastermind about a month ago with highly influential people. And not even after the first week, I started thinking like them, right? And I started to think, okay, what would they do in this situation, this situation? And Alpha, like you, or Bria, I think it was you that said it, don't just do what they tell you to do, but do what they're doing. So what I did, I started to build my own mastermind. And as I put together the blueprint, so we had another meeting yesterday. And as I put together the blueprint, I'm like, you know what? Emotional intelligence needs to be one of my pillars. And I did that last week. And today, or not today, but last night, our topic that we covered was emotional intelligence. And it blew my freaking mind because it just told me I'm already thinking on the same frequency as those people. So just to reinforce everything that you and I are talking about, freaking go get it. Start doing what they are doing, not just what they tell you to do. Do what they're doing and start thinking the way they think because that's where the power is. No one can take away the way you think in your mindset. So that's all I got. That was a great share coach. I just wanted to say that. Thanks for jumping in on that. I agree. What group did you join coach? Can you tell us? Yeah, I joined uh, Ryan Blair, uh, his uh, author call. It's a private mastermind. So if you're interested, uh, hit him up. I love that. So good. That's exactly what I mean. I just don't believe for a moment in coincidences, I believe in divine breadcrumbs. That's what my friends and I call them. We call them, I, I know, like just like Papa Tony, these are things that I make up in my own friend circles, but we call them divine breadcrumbs, right? Like Hansel and Gretel, 
like the little breadcrumbs that are going to lead you home to your destination where you're supposed to go, but you have to pick them up. Nothing. Anytime you have a hunch, right? Florence Shin. Whenever you have a hunch, you have to tap into it because that's your intuition, right? The Holy Spirit, your ancestors, all the things that you might believe in, right? It, it is that, right? Like using Bible, like the Holy Spirit, like there's this quickening of, of, of enlightenment that comes through. And when you tap into that, you you just see it. You see it matriculate through your life. All right, guys, who's next? Hey, hey Brie, real quick. Um, before, because I'm getting a lot of messages, the book is in my story on Instagram. And do a quick thing. Just hit follow so I know that you actually got the book because I'm not going to answer 100 questions of the same question over and over. Back to you. Instagram too, since Alpha just did that shameless plug. Who was the, um, who was talking next? <laughs> Wait, somebody said, Answer hey, Bree. Yes. Hi, take it away. I was just saying, I'm sorry, it's Mary Lynn. That was my question, Alpha, because just when you were saying the name, Brielle jumped in, and I will screenshot you. I'll go to your Instagram, take a screenshot after I buy it today. So thank you for putting it up. Awesome. Hi, Mary Lynn. Thank you for being in the room today. Hey, does anybody else have anything? I love the dialogue. I like, you said you want some feedback on that. I love yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Yes, I love it. Keep it up. I, I, I would love another segment like this sometime. It's 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 like sitting at the breakfast table. Yeah, this is definitely the way our conversations go. <laughs> like this is you, you just sat in on a on a phone on a phone conversation. I'm I'm mid move. I think everyone knows that. I have a lot of Airbnbs in different locations and so I went to a storage and I was just redecorating one of uh, my properties so that I wouldn't have to attend to it too much during the summertime. Obviously I have somebody who like does property management, but I do like the decor and things like that. So I was switching out a lot of things at different properties in different states. And I hit Elf up this morning and I was like, what should my segment be? And so we, we came up with this. All right, Barbara. Hey, Brielle and Alpha. What an amazing segment. Um, it, uh, there's just so much in there, but what I just wanted to add goes back to what we were talking in the beginning, what, um, what we're getting out of breakfast with champions and mentors and everything that we, was interwoven, um, all, all morning, you know, and I have been, um, so blessed to be part of the team in the last, um, couple months. And I've gotten so much from listening. I always say we have two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as we speak. And what I'm hearing from me and what I've learned is that, People are curious about television and asking me so much about TV and how I went from, you know, being a stay-at-home mom for a decade, not working, and jumping into television. And I keep giving out, like, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I love the question, and I realize I keep giving out the same information over and over again, just like Alpha Six said. Um, but the truth is I keep giving out like my media trainer. I'm like, oh, you know, call my media trainer. She trained me and that's how I went on TV. But diving deeper is I realized that there's so much more to just going from one, you know, transitioning from one act to another. And um, just by being here and Coach Isaac said it, don't just listen to what your mentors are doing. Do what your mentors are doing. And I'm in the same space of like, you know what? 
I need to host a masterclass because this is what I see so many people doing and I need to do as well. Um, so I finally decided it's not just my media trainer that has helped me that has helped me get off the couch and into television it was actually a mindset that i had to be that i had to break through in order to get from where i was into television it wasn't just hiring a media trainer it was actually having this dialogue in my head and without having like the strategies for getting out of your own way you know there you can hire as many coaches as you want you can you can hire as many physical trainers as you want to go to the gym you can buy as many pelotons as you want that doesn't mean you're actually going to be able to cross over that abyss from knowing what you need to do to doing it so that's what i've done i've, I've established a master class that i'm actually hosting this week if anyone's interested you can just dm me master class yes, all interested yeah thanks um and that's what it's all about so just dm me master class and i'm just kind of tying in the whole conversation up to what coach isaac said <laughs> mentorship yeah. breakfast of champions and doing not just what your mentors tell you to do but actually doing it all wrapped up in one giant package back to you brielle you know i love it barbara you know what's so interesting is again something you get from breakfast of champions i remember seeing this woman in a red dress in the audience and i was like who is she I, rem I literally remember to a T, like bringing up on stage <laughs> and saying, hey, guy, like, because there was just, and it wasn't even the dress, there was energetically, there was something about this person out of all of the people that were in on, on the other side of the table. And I was like, who, who is she? Like, there's something there's, and then you opened up your mouth and I was like, oh. Okay, that makes sense. That's who she is. You know, um, <laughs> Thanks, Brielle. <laughs> no, literally. And I mean, we've had conversations, like even from Instagram posts. What you have is, um, it really is. It, it changes people's lives. And so I'm excited for your masterclass. I didn't know anything about it till this moment, but I will definitely be in attendance. And I can't wait to see uh, what you put together. Great job. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, guys. I see Tomas and then, or Thomas, who I always call Tomas. We're working through that. And then we're passing it over Ben Stock and Michelle. Michelle, are you here? Wait, do I have this segment wrong? Wait, no, 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 it's Spizak. See, I'm so used to Come Josh. on, man. I'm sorry, you know what? Come I on, haven't slept man. yet. And I, during my segment, while I'm talking to all of you, I, start, I went into Starbucks. Like I'm holding a Starbucks and my phone is hooked up to my Bluetooth and I'm driving and I haven't slept yet. I mean, I'm, I'll be fine. Jack came forward has increased its sales by over 136%. My name is Travis Flaherty. We have seen over 55% increase in sales. So Jeremy Downing here, we finished our month off at not even a 20% increase, but Thirty percent increase. Hey guys, Jean Paul Gidry here. Now I've experienced massive increases of one hundred fifty-six percent, collectively one hundred twenty-five percent. My name is Kevin Sturrisnatter. We went an increase of fifty percent. Fifty percent. We went from fifty units to seventy-five units. We got a thirty-nine percent growth in volume. This stuff works. I'm Glenn Lundy, creator of the Eight Hundred Percent Club. The results that we've been getting out of the 800% Club are ridiculous. Everything that you just heard all happened in the first 90 days. So I want to open this up, helping more dealers across the country. We're now enrolling for 800% Club members. So look, the time is now. It's time for you to protect your legacy. Head on over to 800EliteAutomotiveClub.com to learn more. Uh -oh. Is it quiet or? Okay. 
Okay, no, yeah. no, shit. no, no. Yeah, after my Monday segments, it's Glenn's fault. Blame Glenn. He changed my segment time. I'm just you kidding. know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change my segment to be all about excuses because you're teeing me up for it. I know. I was just like, <laughs> I'm like literally oh, like word vomiting <laughs> excuses because I just don't know how to get past that. I'm so sorry. I forgot what day and time it was, and of course, I wouldn't want um, to really go before anybody else so i'm really excited to hand the mic over to david even go, though in my thomas brain first. let's go to yes. thomas first yeah see very, look very at that cool. thank and you, you and david you and, thank you. you you and hannah need to stop going to raves <laughs> thomas go for it thank you david and brielle be safe beautiful segment um something to piggyback on uh, what you guys were saying you know david goggins says Create your own biography. Stop reading this crap from everybody. Stop reading biography. Create your own biography. And it's the truth. You know, you can listen to so many people. You can read so many books. But if you don't act on it, you're not going to go anywhere. The other thing is, you know, I follow Tony Robbins and I'm a platinum member. Um, so I go to all the, the seminars. And I got to tell you, that guy has so much knowledge. But you know what he does have? He has a notepad and a pen and like, and I see him, everybody, every time he introduce someone, he sees somebody, he hears them, he understands them and he take notes. And I love what you said. I really, truly love Alpha when you said, you know, don't text me. What did that guy said or what did I say? Take a note and write it down. And that is what I learned. You know, I'm always run, I'm always walking with a notepad and a pen and if you guys see what I have at home, I have all these journal, all these notes. I write everything down. And Tony Robbins says, I always go back and read them and implement. This is Thomas and I'm done. Thank you so much, Brielle, Alpha and David. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak. Guys, have an amazing day. Absolutely, David. All right, I would be remiss if I did not do a proper introduction. Guys, this is Breakfast with Champions, the Millionaire Breakfast Club the place where you have a seat at the table to listen to the absolute greatest minds here on Clubhouse. Um, we understand that every single person has something to offer and something really, really valuable. But what we have curated is a panel of thought leaders and people who we would say have just uh, done extraordinary things in life. Extraordinary Individuals is coming up next. You definitely don't want to miss this segment. And I am excited to pass the mic over to David Spizak. Hey, Brielle. Um, good morning, champions. How are you? I hope everybody is doing well. As you could hear, I've got a little Brielleitis in my voice. Um, I lost hey, my, voice. I, my voice. My uh, voice completely disappeared on Sunday, which is like my worst nightmare. And simultaneously, it was like a day of revelry for my wife. Um, because I could not speak uh, that day. And it's coming back little by little by little, but I may need some help from my friends today because it has been getting, uh, the more I speak, uh, the weaker it tends to get sometimes. So, but I'd, I'd love to offer up some things uh, while I can have a, a decent voice. And then I would like to um, partially uh, for self-preservation, but also partially because I would love I always love hearing the feedback and the insights from the people on the stage and, and for anybody in the audience that wants to come up and say something 
uh, will be happy to turn on hand raising. But, you know, one of the things that, that I've been really focusing on lately, and Thomas, I, I, I love what you just said. You know, it's, it's phenomenal that we take notes. If you're, if you're somebody that takes notes, a lot of notes, in, in fact, I'll back up. Here's a couple signs that you're on your way to doing something great. Number one is you take a lot of notes. And number two, you ask a lot of questions. Um, those two things are hallmarks of people that have a high level of success. Um, but I was looking back at some of my notes um, from the recent past from a talk that I gave in, in another location. And, and this was just at one of those times that I'll oftentimes be sitting around in the evening after our kids go to bed. I'll be thinking about the next day. I'll be thinking about what I want to do to challenge myself. And one of the things I ask my questions are, what are my limiting beliefs? Um, hold on. I got somebody working in the background here. Um, but I was just asking, what are my limiting beliefs? Um, and most of us, especially if we, if we see ourselves as being very optimistic, very positive people, um, we don't often tend to think of ourselves as having limiting beliefs. But the reality is pretty much everybody does. Um, it's just a matter of where are you? Where does that line get drawn? And it's a really important process to really go through and to understand because if you are like most people in the world and whether you're a teacher, you're an educator, you're a parent, uh, you're a salesperson, a real estate broker, a franchise owner, uh, a small business owner or somebody that owns a thriving business uh, like Bill Hauser who was speaking earlier. Um, you've got to constantly ask yourself and have the courage to say, what are my limiting beliefs? And if you want to go through a process that'll kind of help you understand where you are right now, really, all you have to do is look at your results. And if you think about it, if we were forever in a mindset of, of always staying on top of our limiting beliefs and destroying our limiting beliefs, we would also always be in a constant state of improvement and in increases and in getting better. Our success levels would continue to elevate and elevate and elevate. So if you look at a business, I was working with a business coaching somebody recently who has a pretty decent business. He's doing $20 million a year and he's making some profitability. But when I looked at his numbers and he saw himself as being a pretty successful company, when I looked at his numbers for the last four years in a row, he has been somewhere between 19 and $20 million. Well, if you get your, if you look at your numbers, if you take a look at your income as a salesperson or as a business owner or as a real estate broker, whatever it might be, if you see yourself in a point where you're plateauing, you flatten out for three or four months in a row, you plateau for a year or two in a row, that is a surefire way of knowing that you've kind of hit the wall. You, you have some limiting beliefs. Your beliefs have allowed you to achieve that particular level where you are right now, but it is also stopping you from breaking through that next ceiling and going on to that next level of success. So if you think about it, it's just as straightforward as this. Oftentimes, I think we make life a lot more complicated than it needs to be. And when you talk about people that have uh, a, a fear, they don't step forward, they don't move forward with the things they really want to do. 
uh, in their life or in their business. They're, they are not putting themselves in a position to be, they see themselves, for example, I see myself, oftentimes you'll see on Clubhouse, I, I'm a future millionaire. Okay, well, why aren't you a millionaire today? Well, chances are uh, your current beliefs, your current network, your current work ethic, your current methodology, your current team have manifested your current results. I'm gonna say that again. Your current beliefs, your network, your work ethic, your, your methodologies, process, your team have manifested your current results. So if you're right now at 100,000 or 200,000 <coughs> or 300,000 and you want to get to a million, then you absolutely have to be willing to look at those current beliefs and say, okay, I've gone as far as I'm going to go with this particular set, this, this dynamic that I have right now. So think about this. If you strengthen just one of those, strengthen your beliefs, strengthen your network, strengthen your, your uh, methodology, strengthen your processes, your work ethic, your teams. If you strengthen any one of those, pick one you're going to see incremental improvement. Now, anybody who's heard me enough times will, will also hear me say, I believe incremental improvement, incremental growth is a death march, a slow death march. Why? Because we're in, we're in a world, uh, we're in a landscape of business to where there are people that are experiencing geometric or exponential growth. And so if I'm only pursuing incremental growth, while, hey, it's nice, better to improve by 5% than to decrease by 5 or 10. But the reality is when you look at the value of the dollar, when you look at the value, uh, when you look at inflation, a Citigroup, I believe, said that after the, the dollar fell by 5% last year, they felt it can fall as much as 20% this year. Well, if it falls 20% this year, I have to improve 40 plus percent. Uh, if you're in a certain tax bracket, maybe even 50-55%. So that tells you if I just incrementally improve by 5 or 10%, the value of what I'm producing on my bottom line is actually less than it was the year before. So this is what's important. Strengthen one for incremental growth. But if you can strengthen each and every one of them, you can achieve geometric or exponential growth. And it works on the flip side too, but it's a, it's a little bit worse on the flip side. If any one of those weakens, um, it's going to weaken your, your growth. It's actually going to diminish your success or actually have it go the opposite direction. And it could be much more than an incremental decrease. And by the way, anybody who works with me or has ever worked for me will hear two words come out of my mouth all the time. One is momentum and one is acceleration. You, you, it's really important that no matter where you are in life, whether you're looking at your health, your nutrition, uh, you're looking at your business, you're looking at your revenue, your client acquisition, your net profit, or your personal income, there's always some type of momentum. It's positive momentum, neutral momentum, negative momentum. And what you need to be looking at that really will help you break things down is start looking at your momentum literally on at least a weekly basis. Um, and it's funny, have you ever noticed that when things aren't going well, if you've ever had a friend 
who's in a situation where things aren't going well, you tend to hear from them less. If you ever noticed when, when if you're on a health uh, situation, you're trying to manage your weight, when things are going great, you literally want to weigh yourself every single day, maybe more than that. But when you know that you're not doing the things that are going to be responsible or result in success, we tend to not forget where the scale is. It's the same way in business. It's the same way with income. It's the same way with savings. And what we need to do is we have to have the courage and the discipline to be able to take a hard look, hold ourselves accountable. Because the interesting thing is, is the anxiety that that creates. And not all anxiety is negative anxiety. Um, so there, we hear a lot about anxiety and stress. And, and it is true that stress can have a detrimental impact on your health but but anxiety there's a form of stress or anxiety that actually for many people it motivates them and it drives them it causes them to get up at four o'clock in the morning it causes them to do that second workout it causes them to do i heard somebody maybe it was yesterday talking about uh i think they were three days away from hitting their 75 hard and they were absolutely putting it to themselves to make sure they drank that, that gallon of water, that they finished their challenge on water before they went to sleep that day. Well, that anxiety or stress is actually a positive stress, a positive anxiety. And so we need to learn to leverage things that we have been taught or we've learned over our lifetime um, that are actually, we've been taught that they're negative, right? But they're actually not, they're actually positive. So having accountability having discipline uh, to be able to look at the look at those numbers even when we're not doing great is critically important the best of the best the most successful in the planet look at those numbers so uh, bill mentioned grant cardone earlier grant said something at one point uh, a few months ago that some people had a hard time understanding and he, he said something to the effect that he lives in disappointment he's disappointed him in himself now, that doesn't mean that he's not living a good life. He's not happy. He's not joyful. He's not having a great time with his family. He's not uh, celebrating, to some degree, his success. But it's okay to have disappointment uh, because, again, the disappointment comes from where am I relative to who I should be? How do I see myself? And if you don't see that level of disappointment, again, here's the irony. We've been taught the right wrong thing sometimes if i'm not disappointed in myself that's that what that likely means is i'm starting to get into a pattern of settling i'm starting to get into a pattern to where i am at a plateau and i'm okay with it i'm starting to get into a pattern where maybe i put on a few more pounds and i go eh, i guess it's all right it's not not a big deal um not the end of the world don't get me wrong but it is the end of growth it is the end of achieving a higher level of success. Not the end of the world, but it is the end of growth. So it's just really, really important to keep that in mind. So another thing that's really important as you're moving away from this plateau. Well, in order to move away from that plateau, if you think about it, if that means that I can no longer simply rely on executing at the same level I am today, 
I can no longer rely on simply the, the network I've established today, the methodologies I'm using, my work ethic I'm deploying on a daily basis, the level of focus, the level of discipline, the level of commitment. I've got to do something. I've got to change. We hear all the time in business about change management. We hear oftentimes in Clubhouse about how do I manifest change? Well, one of the things that's, I think, really, really important to think about is if the basis of your change, if the basis of your change, if it's based on what you're currently doing, in other words, that's where I'm starting from, then you're actually not likely to experience any meaningful change. And that's interesting, isn't it? So as much as I want to change, if I'm starting from the place where I am, the context of where I am, the likelihood of me achieving the change that I want is virtually zero. And that can be incredibly frustrating. So it's really important that you break out and you say, okay, well, how can I get to a point where I, I can manifest significant change, which will unlock exponential improvement? The great Jay Abraham, the marketing expert, always puts it in forms. I've never forgotten this. He looks at things, that, whether it's your business or whether it's your health, your nutrition, your, your income. If you think about this, there are denominators to change. So let's talk about health. If you're focusing on health, there are denominators for change, right? The volume of food I eat. When do I eat? Um, how much time between the time I eat? When's the last time I eat during the course of a day? What kind of food am I eating? And so forth. Those are all denominators. If I change one, I experience incremental improvement. If I change multiple, I, I, I experience more improvement. If I change all of those, I experience exponential improvement. Michelle McLean, I don't know if she's in the room, but, but you don't get to achieve what Michelle achieved um, by uh, incremental. By just if she said, "Well, I'm just going to eat. Uh, I'm I'm going to stop eating one hour uh, earlier." That wouldn't have done it. I'm going to have uh, a little less volume uh, during one of my meals. That's not going to do it. it. It had to be significant change from front to back. And so, what I want you to think about is this. Well, if you want to change your dynamic, one of the best things I recommend to anybody and everybody I coach. I don't care if they're a single person who's starting a company or running a company, whether they're a coach or whether they're selling something or whether they're developing a product. I tell 100% of them that one of the first things you need to do right now is you need to create a board. And yes, I said a board for your company. Well, why do I need a board if I'm the only person in the company? Because that board is going to allow you to uh, break out. It's going to allow you to be able to see things differently. It's going to allow you to have better transparency. It's going to allow you to hold yourself more accountable. So what I always recommend to people is you need to create a council or a board. And I want you to break it down this way if you, if you would consider this. I hope you do. Uh, we hear the word disruption ad nauseum. And anybody right now, I don't care what business you're in, what position you're in, uh, what your level is, what your status is, uh, everybody has the potential of being disrupted. We saw what happened last year. There were so many companies that did everything right 
until March of last year, then all of a sudden they found themselves on the wrong side of things. We've seen companies for the last two or three decades, more and more, who, who were at the top of their game, the top of their industry, and they don't even exist today. One of the most telling statistics of this is if you look at the S&P 500, which are the bellwether companies, those are the blue chips, okay? There's tens of thousands of companies on the stock exchange. There's only 500 on the S&P, right? But if you look at the S&P 500, nearly 50% of them from the year 2000 aren't there anymore. Think about that. 50% of the best of the best from just 20 years ago are not there anymore. Why? Because they failed to recognize the need to evolve, to change, and to do the things necessary to be able to bring about exponential growth, which would allow them to maintain their relevancy. There's been few companies who have been able to um, navigate that. IBM's one of the best ones. They were nearly extinct uh, at one point until Louis Gerstner came in and completely reinvented that company into an IT company and an uh, enterprise company. And they have managed to maintain relevancy. So it's really important. So if you develop this council or this board, it could be a council of disruption. Maybe it's two or three people that is constantly going to challenge your belief system when it, when it comes to doing what you do. I had the pleasure and honor of uh, meeting in person the great Laura Blueberry Wild yesterday morning for about an hour, hour and a half uh, while I had a stopover in Atlanta. And Laura, uh, one of the many things to admire and respect about Laura is that while she is hustled, you know, and, and been out there grinding, and she's put herself in a position to work with the most elite athletes out there in the NBA. And she put herself in position to get hired by an NBA organization to be on staff, uh, which is, I mean, it's a fraction of a fraction of a percent of people can make that happen. As, as a parent, she's raised an incredible son who is a professional ballet dancer at the highest level. She's done some really great things. And yet, she asks question after question after question. She's always interested and curious. What can I do different? Here's what I'm thinking. Challenge it. And every time she throws something out at me, she says, you know, what do you think? And I will give her my honest opinion. If, if, if we ever talk, I'm very blunt, very polite, very respectful. But I'm Simon Cowell. I'm not Randy Jackson. I'm not Paula Abdul. I'm just going to tell you the way things are. And so she has the courage to be able to hear the truth. And that's going to always allow Alora Blueberry Wild to go out and to grow and to do great things. Now, I'm, I don't know if I'm the only person that she has these conversations with. I suspect not because of who she is. And the more people like me, that she's surrounding herself with, not that I'm great, I'm just saying I am somebody that she can rely on to give good, honest, you are authentic great. feedback. Stop, stop, stop. But, but I will give, I will freely give, I will freely empty my brain. I will freely take the lessons I've heard, I've learned, the good ones, the hard ones, uh, the really successful ones, wildly successful ones, and I will give it all away.
and I'm happy to do it. The only thing I ever ask in return is that somebody be coachable, that they actually be interested because I'm not doing it for the practice. Uh, I'm doing it because I'm, in, I'm doing it in the hopes that I'm going to have a positive impact on a human being or many human beings, just like everybody on the stage and everybody in the audience, that, that we all want to be able to do that. Um, so, and I always say, you know, I, I'm, uh, my number one goal is to sell out my funeral, you know, because that will tell my children, uh, that will tell my family, that will tell my wife. Uh, that I've done some good things and I've been successful. I've achieved the highest level of success, which is impacting uh, humanity, impacting some people that you care about and some people you've never met before. So go out there and the, the more people that Laura's going to have on her council, the, the more she's going to accelerate towards greatness, the faster she's going to get the pieces of the puzzle that she needs. Now, you also can have a council of happiness. You know, and that sounds crazy. Why do I need a council of happiness? Because whether you're a single parent, a parent of young kids, whether you're an educator, whether you're uh, uh, in business, whether you're in sales, whether you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have some very hard decisions. You're going to face hard decisions, tough challenges, and you're going to have some down days. Yes, even the most irrationally optimistic people in the world are going to question themselves and they're going to have some down days. So if you have a council of happiness, maybe it's three, four or five people that you know without a shadow of a doubt that if you were to place a call to them right now, if you were to get into a group text with them right now, they literally can make the world tune out. They can make those issues go away. And, and I'm not saying, hey, don't pretend those things aren't there. Not at all. What I am saying is recognize that every single day, if you're an optimist, you're like a car that goes out of the driveway with a full tank of gas. And every time something negative happens in your existence during the course of that day, you're losing fuel, you're losing power, you're losing power, you're losing power. If you end up having three or four or five, maybe a, an appointment cancels, maybe somebody you sold a nice deal to uh, a, a, you know, a coaching program to yesterday canceled. Maybe um, a business associate, you know, that you've worked with for a long time, quit. Who knows what it might be? Maybe it's a personal situation. But if you feel yourself losing power, losing momentum, losing energy, losing drive, losing enthusiasm, losing positivity, having those two or three people that you could jump on a group chat or you could jump onto into a text or you could jump onto a phone call or a FaceTime or whatever it might be, do you understand those people have the power in all likelihood in less than 15 minutes to fill your tank back up, to remind you of who you are, to get you refocused, re-energized, re-enthused about that challenge, that task that you have to face up to. You can absolutely, absolutely crush any challenge if you're in the right mindset. Think about that. I want you to really think about that. I want you to think about some of the biggest challenges you've ever had in your life. And if I'm not mistaken, you're right now here on Clubhouse and you're still standing. And you may have not have thought that was going to be possible in the moment. You may have blown it up. You may have made that particular issue or challenge to feel a hundred times taller, bigger, more substantial 
than you are as an, as a person, as an entity. But lo and behold, as you look back, and it's a really good thing to do sometimes, keep a journal of those things, write those challenges down, and look back and see how many of them you crushed. See how many of the things you worried about never actually even happened. And watch how that helps to increase your self-confidence, your belief system, your efficacy, which is the which is your belief to make something happen. That counsel of happiness will do that. You also need that counsel for board of accountability. Yep, you need that. You need that person that says, David, what exactly was going through your mind when you made that decision? I used to have a boss that would ask me that. David, what was going through your mind? Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, Five Simple Steps to an Extraordinary Morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. At the exact time you made that decision, and it sounded a little bit harsh at the time, but I really came to love that because it really created an exercise that forced me that when I'm in those situations to, to pause for a second, it take inventory of my mental state and make sure that I'm in a, a nice rational state and I'm in the position in the venture that I'm trying to go after. So I do have that business mentor in place. And then I have three friends that I know will always tell me the honest to goodness truth. Um, and not, not what I want to hear, but the honest to goodness truth, if I'm working too much, if I'm not balancing enough, if, I'm staying integral and authentic to myself, my mission, my story, right? Because I think oftentimes we start to get into a position where we want to say what we think people want to hear versus what was the true authentic mission and purpose of our story. So I have my three closest friends that will always keep me honest. And they, they're kind of like my auditors, right? They audit my social media. They audit my newsletters. They audit me as a person, how I show up every single day to everything that I do. And they always remind me, hey, Miku, your goal, your mission, your vision was this. I see you deviating down this path. Is someone influencing your decision in the way that you show up? So they always keep me honest. So those are my board of directors and the people that I have closest to me today. I love it. I love it. And, and I'm going to uh, try to be one of those people. I don't know what you're doing to your clients, but I think you need to ease up because they're screaming, literally screaming. In the background. <laughs> so my son's so, almost two and he's a stage five mom clinger like I, I don't have any room to breathe so if you guys have any tips on that let a new mama know go give him wow. a hug we've yeah, been cuddling uh, for an hour and a half <laughs> guys say hi. Well, hold him again look, look. Uh, oh man poor kiddo all right well listen i really appreciate that feedback it's critically important i could i could uh take a very educated guess that you've made rarely made uh any catastrophic mistakes if any when it comes to uh spending your money since having that advisor and if you think about that for anybody out there think back a year two years five years ten years you know i i call we have a storage uh unit you know uh that that we keep some stuff in and um 
and my, my wife, we, you know, hey, we got to take this to a storage unit, take this to a storage unit. Do you know what I call the storage unit? I call it the Museum of Bad Decisions. That's what I call it. Because most people, if, if I had to do it over again 30 years ago, I would have invested 100% in storage units all over the country. People go in them and they, they never look for the stuff. They never take it out. And all of those things, if you added all of the stuff up, the money that you spent, or you think about the decisions you've made, um, man, oh, man, the money that you would have in the bank right now would be completely different. Hey, we had a few people up on stage, but I don't know who got yeah, called Yeah, I've got it? it. Nope, perfect. So you have, um, we have Michelle, uh, who's GI. Uh, that's uh, one of the people that were already on stage. And then the list that you have coming up for questions since we pulled them up. Uh, first up, you have Limitless. After Limitless, you have Malika. And it's just an order. After Malika, you have Ryan, Georgiana, and Yvette. And so it'll go in that, Georgiana, in that Yvette, order. Perfect. Thank you so much, Brielle. Perfect. GI, do you want to take it away first? Perfect. Thank you so much. Hey, a couple of things. Uh, you know, I there's a gentleman I call the the 13th disciple and he entered my life in a at a point in which I just kind of said I'm done in the military I'm not going to go any further and uh, you know he really helped me realize uh, that I had more right he was one more successful than I and two he held a mirror up and showed me who I who I was and so I would say you know, two things. We need two kinds of uh, mentors in our lives. We need travel agents and we need um, tour guides. And it's a version of uh, what John Maxwell says. He says a tour guide is someone who has been where you are trying to go. A travel agent will book a flight, uh, tell you the great places to stay, uh, great places to go they ask you how fast you want to get there bus train car etc but the key point is they do not go with you a tour guide on the other hand has you by the hand they are saying hey we need to go here you go oh, that doesn't look really interesting they're like no you need to go here you need to do this you need to experience that you go around the corner and they say, you know, where's your raincoat? I told you to bring your raincoat. They say, hey, I don't see any rain coming. Uh, and they go, believe me, the rain is coming. Put on your raincoat. And it is because they've been through the, the, the valleys and the peaks and they are there with you. And so what I love about this guy that I now call dad because my father passed years ago is that I can call him on business. I can call him about personal things and he knows me he'll tell me you know when i say oh they're doing this why would they give me this re responsibility and he'll say something to me like would kobe um or shaq be left on the bench when you're at the national championships no that's why they picked you so i think it's important to have a balance of business expertise as well as somebody who really knows you and can speak to you and and guide you and that you trust i love that you said that and you know um i always love hearing things from a new perspective so having the travel agent for the tour guide is such a wonderful way to visualize 
a massive difference between those two. Travel agents also, not only do they not go with you, sometimes they've never been there themselves, um, you know, but they, they've seen pictures and they've done the research and they've got answers, so they do have value. But that tour guide obviously is at a different level. So um, I really appreciate you sharing that uh, with us. And, and um, uh, thank you so much for your service, by the way. Um, all right. So let's go next to, I think you said next was going to be, I was uh, Limitless. Hello, good morning. Good morning. This is Limitless Sega. David, thank you so much for the amazing, wonderful, just value you have been pouring into us. And I want to thank Brielle for bringing me up. Brielle, you and Alpha 6, the, your session earlier was just outstanding. Thank you, thank you. I am I just honored, honored to be on this stage. So, um, David, I have, I guess now I'll call it a board, right? I have a financial advisor. I have a speaking coach because I'm beginning to realize how important it is for me to be able to tell my story right, given my mission. I also have a real estate coach because I'm stepping into real estate in order to right. create in a generational wealth. Thank you. And the other coach I do have is a life coach that I got. Some of that advice came from here. My question to you, though, is when do you know it is time to change someone on your board? What are the signs and symptoms that will tell you somebody needs to be changed and how do you choose the next person on your board that you need to add on? I'm Limitless Sega and I'm complete for now. Thank you so much. Limitless, what, a, what an incredible question. Thank you, what a thoughtful question. And I congratulate you up front for having the, um, the awareness uh, to have the board that you do right now. But it's interesting you said that you mentioned that question because you know, you mentioned uh, a real estate coach, you mentioned a life coach, you mentioned a financial advisor. Um, and I'm sitting here thinking as you're saying those, you know, on at least two of those, you know, I would have to do some really significant uh, investigative or uh, uh, scrutiny. And I'll tell you why it'll lead you lead me into your question is because there's a there's a lot of people that have financial advisors. The problem is, I really believe uh, that there's, uh, I don't want to vilify anybody. It's not that. There's some phenomenal financial advisors. I have a phenomenal financial advisor myself. But the critical thing is, how successful are they? Very, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly astounded by people that will uh, sign up with a financial advisor and they have never even bothered to check what their track record is. What is the level of success they've had with their clientele? Number one and number two, do they have your agenda in mind or their agenda in mind? It's interesting, you know, if, when you start out in the equities market and you don't have a lot of money, a lot of people don't realize when they sign up with a broker at, say, it was, I don't know, whoever it might have been, let's say it was Merrill Lynch or whoever, and I'm not saying anything bad about that organization. You could say it about any of them. But oftentimes the stocks that they're going to recommend to you are the stocks that they need to get rid of for their highest uh, dollar volume clients. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that's the reality sometimes because it helps one uh, to improve the other. The second thing is 
you know, uh, what is the level, the amount of thought or time or strategy or planning they've put into your financial plan? Have they revealed that to you? Do they really understand your risk profile? Do they understand the things that are important to you? For example, when we first sat down with our wealth advisor, we wanted to make sure we could take care of my mom, uh, you know, when she got to the point where she needed to be in assisted living. Well, we just moved her in, a, in an assisted living uh, about six months ago, and we never even thought twice about it. Is it expensive? It is. It's really expensive. But we didn't have to worry about it because years and years ago, he knew that was important, and he made sure specifically in our plan that was set aside. Same thing with both our college education for our kids and so forth. Um, so when do you need to make that decision? Well, uh, we just, you know, I think one of the things that you have to consider is, is go back to something I said earlier on. Uh, your methodologies, your process, your planning, your, your network, uh, the people you surround yourself with have allowed you to achieve where the success level you are now. If you feel that any one of those board members have gone as far as they can go. For example, we had somebody uh, uh, helping with our kids who she was absolutely a, a Niku. I should, I should send you her name. She was a baby whisperer. I mean, she was just an absolute genius until the age of two. And then we noticed that once the, our son, our first one, got to be beyond the age of two, her magic disappeared. Her wheelhouse was from zero to two. And so we figured out, okay, we need to get a different person to help us now that our, our kids were two and a half or three who could work with our kids from, say, three to five. And then you're probably going to need somebody else. That's why when we get into different grades, you have different teachers. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Limitless? If the teacher you had in your right now was the same teacher you had that was teaching you kindergarten or third grade or fifth grade, how would that person be able to teach you high school or teach you college or teach you business? They wouldn't. They, they have a specific set of knowledge and certain abilities that allow them to be great within, within that certain framework. And so if you've hit the, if you've hit the ceiling with that person, is your life coach Right now, the life coach that you have, do you know for a fact that she or he is living the life of your dreams? Because if they're not, you're going to end up living their life or the life of their dreams as they view it. And that's really not the outcome you want or you expect, but it is absolutely the outcome you're going to get if you don't look at things in, in those terms. So I, I hope that helps. Um, I keep it rolling. Very I true, believe. David. Everything you're saying, like, are you God? You're so right. Everything you've been saying is so accurate. And, um, yeah, this is an incredible room. And this is an incredible people in this club. My goodness, this is the first time I'm in this club. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. I want to go to Malika next. Malika, are you there? I am here. I am here. I am here. David, I always love when you grace the stage. Brielle, thank you so much thank for you. bringing me up when I raise my hand. I'm sure there are hundreds of people down that wanted to come up and ask, and I'm so humbled to be here. Um, Glenn, always thank you for this room. Thank you. This week, I do have money on my mind, and so Glenn, I thank you so oh, much. I, love it. Um, I do. Well, I do. I got money. How on. may I serve you? I, I, I 
um, you asked the question, who was the last person who you met that impacted yeah. your life? And yeah. I would have to say it was Renee Noor. Um, we met in another room and she came on as my coach and to be coachable um, is to follow those instructions that um, she has given me. And she told me, you want to get up every morning and be on with breakfast of champions. And I really do this. Oh, I, I, love from, it. I wrote from home and I juggle working from home, doing what I need to do to, because my, my income from my job right now is funding my vision and my dream because it takes money to make money. So when hiring a coach on a budget, because you want the creme to the creme, Oh, well, yeah. What would you do if you don't have $30,000 to spend or $20,000 or $10,000 to get a great life coach? I did sign up for Barbara's class because I want to be because I want to be on TV. Um, but what happens when you find yourself in a position where you don't have the resources yet to get the coach? And I say yet because I do believe the money is coming. But what do you do in the meantime? All right, so are, are you ready? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you multiple. I'm so, taking copious no. notes. Oh, I love it. All right, so first of all, um, read, read. Uh, you can read right now. You could find anybody who you would like to aspire to be like, or the, who has attributes that you want, or who has been through a journey that you expect to embark on. You could go out and you could read their stories. I was just sharing with somebody uh, about the story about James Dyson, you know, who, if you can imagine, here's a guy who uh, in 1988 uh, made a decision that he couldn't live one more year uh, knowing that uh, there was not a vacuum cleaner that didn't require a bag. And I can't imagine what was rolling through this dude's brain that that bothered him that, that much. But it bothered him so much that he made it his life's work to invent the cyclonic bagless vacuum. It only took him 15 years and 5,127 tries. Well, if you're trying to learn about persistence and tenacity and commitment and discipline, read about a James Dyson. You know, if you want to learn about uh, overcoming obstacles, you may want to read about Oprah Winfrey. There's plenty of information on her. And what's cool is you could also see a lot of uh, talks by Oprah Winfrey directly. You can see on the university, what I call the University of YouTube. Uh, so you could go onto YouTube and you could see some of the greatest people I mentioned, a number of people uh, already that are very well known, that are brilliant, and they've got videos on YouTube. They're free. Uh, the, the books you have to buy, but it's nearly free. And then there are people like a Barbara Majeski that will offer a free class. There's a Brittany Michael check who, who knows an awful lot about social media or Tao Navarro, or, you know, there are people out there that do free uh, introductory classes. Now, full disclosure, you're going to go through an introductory class for free. That might be followed up by a much more robust, substantial class that does cost money. That's okay because I can go through 30 different free classes this month if I'm you, it costs me absolutely zero. And if I find that there were five of those free classes that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt after going through the free version that they were absolutely what I needed, then it is absolutely worth my money and I'm not spending 30 grand to do those. 
There's also people like me out there in the world who, um, you know, I coach people for free every month of my life. Now, full disclosure, my major enemy is time. I have a, a lot of different companies that I've, I've founded and I run, and I've, I've got a lot of different businesses that I'm part of or I'm on boards. So I don't have as many time slots as I, as I would love to have to do this, but I have at least, oh man, I don't know, anywhere from 12 to 30 times a month. I'm on, I'm on a Zoom with somebody for 30 minutes to an hour for free. Um, and, and I will give them uh, honest, authentic coaching based on real world experience that I will absolutely guarantee. <laughs> I'll guarantee your money back. <laughs> it costs you nothing. But no, I will guarantee that if you use at least three things I share with you in an hour, you will be much, much closer to where you would like to be. Yeah, the only thing that I ask from people is two things. Please give me patience because if you go to my uh, link tree on my IG profile, hit the, the uh, introductory call as a selection. It might take three or four weeks out uh, for us to connect, but I will give you my full undivided attention. All I ask for back is you do the same and that you be coachable and that you're actually interested in, in taking what you hear and putting it to work so that you can become one step closer. The reality is, I was sharing this with Laura Wild yesterday morning, so there are highly successful people in the world that would love to see more highly successful people and, and especially love to work with people who are really busting their butts trying to figure it out, who are at the beginning of their journey. I'm at 61. I don't know how many more years I have left. I take nothing for granted. But for all the time I do have left, I promise you this, uh, I will spend a massive amount of my time uh, paying back to help create as many other successful people as I can because my belief is they will in turn do the same. So there's a lot of good information out there and you could spend very little or virtually no money. I hope that helps. Alika. Um, Tremendously. Ryan. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you for coming uh, and thank you for hanging out at our breakfast table. Uh, Ryan, are you there? And Ryan, if you are there, welcome yes, to Clubhouse. I see the party hat. Welcome to Clubhouse. Glad <laughs> to have you. Thank you very much. I appreciate everything that y'all are doing. And um, uh, thank you, Malika, as well, because that actually answered a couple of the questions I had. Um, when it came to uh, the friends, I had I had joined the Marine Corps and um, was uh, ended up getting injured, and I made great friends out there and a great support team. <coughs> Recently, I was able to come across the best support team I've had ever, and um, it started when I had lost a really close friend of mine, and um, my friend Tim Lane, uh, who's who's on here as well he had been um he saw my struggle and went out of his way to start up a sweet state to get me brain treatment and then from there i was in, uh he's a four-time world champion kickboxer and um and he had kind of a rough life and so we were able to communicate and then actually share with each other our dreams so he became one and then someone he competed against a three-time world champion kickboxer, Tommy Rodriguez. Um, I was introduced to him and then he told me about his dream about knocking out self-doubt. 
And then with Tim, his is focus and follow through. And then we had another friend who was the first El Salvadorian uh, Golden Gloves boxing champion uh, in New York. And his name is Raul. And all, all four of us had this group that have dealt with um, some tragic things growing up and then also had a rough time in our uh, uh, lives. And then um, with your next question about hitting a, a mark that you had to avoid, um, back, back in 2016, I had witnessed one of my best friends and Marine buddies take his life. And I thought that was going to be the end of my life. And I, I didn't think I was going to be able to um, avoid that situation. I thought that was the worst uh, I could ever encounter. And when dealing with that, I knew that if I were to quit, then there, would, there could possibly be a lot of my other Marines that end up doing the same thing. So I made it my mission to break the cycle. And I'm sure all of you are, uh, know about the 22 veterans that take their lives every single day. Um, it's heartbreaking. And so I wanted to try to figure out a way to break that cycle. And after years of dealing with pain of seeing my buddy take his life and feeling that guilt, I realized that guilt was what had been weighing on me all this time and forgiveness was a huge part. So I started writing my book um, that's titled Disturbed Earth, My Journey from Guilt to Forgiveness. And it's pretty I much my process uh, through steps that I used to get myself from the darkest place I had ever made in my life and change it around to where not only am I forgiving myself, but giving back is what's been helping me. And I actually found a system that saved me to get from that. So when you were asking those things, I was like, that it was huge to me because it was a plateau or it was a drop that I'd never ever in a million years thought I would ever be able to get around. And from hearing people like you, you and others that I know there's people out there to help me and my team, we didn't realize that there were so many people like yourself that are willing to, you know, help and uh, do things for others. And it's just one little question. Sometimes all we're missing is one little puzzle of the piece. And if you don't find that piece, your whole world's crashing down. You're going crazy. But that one piece can complete your whole dream. So my dream is to break that cycle. And um, we're all, this is all, we're all beginners on this journey. So we're all, um, trying to get the most help that we could possibly get out of this. But it was just um, coming to these, like uh, I did this morning, has really given me the greatest boost because I know that there's people out there that this could benefit from. And um, and like I said, I had asked, or I was going to ask a question, um, but um, Malika's question had answered it. So that's all I wanted to share. And I just wanted to thank you all again so very much for, uh, for uh letting me speak on this well ryan garza first uh first and foremost uh i thank you and we all thank you uh for your service um ryan i see that that you were in the marines and that you served four tours i just followed you by the way i want to know you um and i uh, feel free to stay connected with me my uh, number you could text me is uh in my bio 
Um, I also have a Linktree link in my IG if anybody wants to chase me down there and set up a call. And you could always find me on, on uh, LinkedIn uh, as well. Um, but I thank you for your service. And, and I would ask that everybody uh, on this stage um, please give Ryan some love and a big salute uh, by flashing your mics right now for uh, literally giving so much uh, to this country over four tours. Uh, I, I see that um, during those four tours, you were struck by an IED and lost your right leg, lost your friend, uh, but you haven't lost your, your future. You haven't lost your heart. And, and, and ironically, I mean, I think that sounds like your, your will and your desire to serve, uh, even though you're not in the Marines anymore, your desire to serve hasn't diminished. So I, I love your story. I, I would love to continue to stay um, connected with you. And, you know, you brought up something about asking questions. And I would ask everybody um, to please allow me, before we wrap up, to share. Uh, this is uh, your David quote of the week. Um, make sure, you know, when you go meet somebody new, Please take the time to meet somebody new. But but here's the quote. Make sure that you dominate the conversation with questions. Don't dominate the conversation telling them who you are, what you are, what you've done, what you've accomplished, what my company is, how we did this, we did that. Dominate it with questions. And, and as Ryan said, you're going to learn some incredibly important things, some things that perhaps you weren't even thinking about that might reveal one of the most important pieces of the puzzle of your life. So go out there, take the time to meet somebody new. And by the way, uh, Malika, I also meant to say one of the cool things about Clubhouse is it, it, you could avail yourself to some of the most incredibly profound uh, stories like Ryan's, um, some incredibly successful people. You've got people all over the stage, Alpha Six. If you want nutrition, you go to Niku. You know, if you want to learn how to parent eight kids, if you want to learn how to do how to get up every single day with consistency, drive, purpose, passion and faith. You know, you've got Glenn who could teach you that and so much more. Um, you've got Scott, you've got uh, Bill, you've got Brielle. You've got so many people here and being here every morning costs absolutely nothing. and allows all of us, those of us who speak and those of us who are just showing up to listen to be able to walk away equally with just as much value. And so I, it's been a pleasure and an honor as always to be with you. I really thank you for putting up with my voice and for allowing me to, to have this time uh, to share with you. Um, let's stay connected. And, and I wanna pass it back over to Brielle at the top of the hour here. And I, wanna, I cannot leave without thanking uh, Glenn for five plus months ago, having the foresight and the wisdom and the dream uh, and the drive uh, to put together this breakfast uh, uh, with champions because it has turned out to be exactly that, thanks to everybody who shows up to this breakfast table. So Glenn, I thank you for that. And back to you, Brielle. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys, so it is 8.05 which is 11.05 Eastern Standard Time. We are happy to be here. This has been an incredible day, a dynamic week, and just another 
day that's going to catapult you into the life you have always been destined to live. I truly hope and desire that the nuggets and the gems that you learn today, you expedite immediately. Wait, you, I'm sorry, you implement <laughs> expeditiously. Um, David, that was so good. As always, you gave us things that we can chew on and take with us. And as I said in my segment, right, the last song um, that you hear is traditionally the one that you run with throughout your day. So, David, I'm really happy that you were the last song of our room this morning. And we are excited to see everyone again tomorrow. All right. Does anybody in closing have anything that they want to say? Anything they want to add before we shut the room down? Hey, Brielle, this is Renee. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. Hi, Renee. Hey, I just want to pour in because what David said is absolutely correct. We wake up every morning with the Breakfast of Champions. And Malika, this is where you would find all of your mentors right here, beautiful. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that we have been able to find each other. But most importantly, that we've been able to release this in, inner strength that we have to be able to strengthen each other in the time of the most chaos that we've been having in the world. We've been able to find our why all over again. I'm grateful to you, Brielle. I'm grateful to David. And I love your voice, David. We can have you anyway, okay? And so grateful to Glenn. This is Renee Noor. I'm so at peace and I'm so grateful to be a part of the Breakfast of Champion. Bye guys. Bye. Well, we're happy that you're here. And David, I agree. Your voice is nowhere near my raspiness. It's perfect all the time. All right, guys, have a great day. Make it an excellent day. We can't wait to hear about it tomorrow. Everyone's DMs are open. DM us the nuggets that you heard, that you learned today. And let's go change others' lives the way that this has continued to impact you. Have an amazing day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.